Hello everyone, this is episode number 122 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Today's date is February 22nd, 2019. We're a couple days late and we apologize for that. I'm Robert Ring and with me is Mr. James Tataru. James. James. Hello. What's up? How's it going with you? Oh, it's pretty good. You know, just hanging out, living the dream. Pretty good. How about you? Uh, I mean, pretty tired. Been a long day. Has, it, it has been a long day. You and I were up late last night playing um, true. Dungeons and Dragons. Here we are. This wonderful day. We got an amazing show, probably. It's possible. Probably. Maybe. We'll see. Uh, before we jump into news, um, we do have a date for our Game of the Quarter episode. That will be two episodes from now, uh, which we will be recording on March 19th. So, if you want to take part in Game of the Quarter, then play Daikatana sometime between now and March 19th, and send us an email with your thoughts uh, before March 19th. And we will, Jay and I are both going to be playing it, and we will have a big Daikatana discussion. It was so, it's so, it was so cheap a couple days ago, there was some sale going on for it. It's pretty cheap anyways, but uh, yeah, sometimes it gets like dirt cheap, uh, especially on yeah. on GOG and stuff. Because I mean, it's like six or seven bucks already. And usually when it goes on sale, it's it's one of those that I bet probably goes on, on sale pretty steep. So I bet you could find it if you get it on, if you find it on sale, you probably get it for like a dollar, I bet. I be yeah, I think that's what I got it for or even less, I think. I could be wrong. Cool. Well, anyway, Daikatana. Buy it if you want to uh, send us in your thoughts for that episode. Now I'll give another reminder at the end of the episode. Uh, news. We got kind of a bunch of stuff or a, good, a fair amount of stuff. Um, one kind of... Uh, not. I'll start off with, I guess, the least directly related to classic gaming was the uh, Blizzard layoffs. The Activision I was just going to say that. Yeah. Um, there's a big old... Uh, wave of Activision Blizzard layoffs. And um, it was kind of weird because they had all these layoffs that day. And then it was like the day of their earnings call. And they talked oh, about it was it was after they talked about they set records. Yeah, on yeah. Their earnings. They talked about how amazing <laughs> they were doing. So everybody's kind of like, the fuck. And they laid off 800 people. Golly, that's insane. Yeah, they said a lot of it was was like low level, like people who did like GMing for WoW, um, a lot of their community management um, and associates were let go. I had a couple of friends that posted about it that they got let go as well, which was sad to see. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it's so frustrating because it's like you know they brag about their earnings, setting records, and then they terminate eight hundred people. And I get it. I know there's certain things going on in businesses we can't see. Right, right. But man, Blizzard, Blizzard, and Activision need a freaking win right now. And this is the last thing that they needed was negative PR. Yeah, that's, they're just not doing well. That's true. That's that's a good point. And and I agree with you. You know, I mean, if and I, and I'm not saying that I know that this is the case by any means because sure. there are plenty of people out there who have who have kind of said no this there if you look at it this really isn't the case but if you have 800 positions that you've discovered have kind of become redundant over the years and maybe unnecessary then yeah it doesn't make sense as a business to keep those open but at the same time it's very strange to first off find 800 positions 
at once that need to go and also then talk about how amazing your profits are uh that same day it's kind of weird it was a tough one man and it's it's really scary to me because you know i'm I, you know, I talk a lot of trash about blizzard but i'm also very concerned it's it's just not looking good right now and it's just one thing after another so i, I mean they said this isn't going to change anything for this year in terms of releases and their planning. So they they because they didn't have any, anything planned. Well, anymore. I meant more of like they they probably knew this was coming. So oh, okay, okay. I at least think they this wasn't a surprise to them by any means, which is a good sign. But jeez, man, yeah. they need a freaking win. I mean, Activision loses the rights to Destiny. It's like Blizzard's games are just not doing well. It's just one thing after another with them right now. And then, um, so that was what, like Monday or Tuesday, I guess. Yeah, uh, I think so. Maybe even last week. I don't really remember. But uh, and then though today, or I guess this was this happened yesterday and today. Uh, there's a EA studio in Australia that all of a sudden got hit by massive layoffs, and then Jeez. today ArenaNet, which is the Guild Wars Arena two developer, yeah, they announced that they're going to about to have mass layoffs. What the what? What do they even do anymore? I know they made Guild Wars. Yeah, I don't. I'm not really sure. That's all that I know. Um, this is according to Kotaku. They have a quote from their uh, from from the from from the CEO of Korean publisher NCSoft West, which owns ArenaNet. Apparently, yeah. apparently he uh, he emailed employees this afternoon and said. Quote, our live game business revenue is declining as our franchises age. Delays in development on PC and mobile have created further drains against our revenue projects, while our operating costs in the West have increased. We are Where we are is not sustainable and is not going to set us up for future success. At least they were pretty transparent, to be honest with you. Yeah, you know I, I mean? I, like, I mean, that always pretty, helps. I think, you're, I think yeah. you're right, yeah. It doesn't fix it, but, you know, it gives you more of an understanding. Like, oh, okay, that makes sense. Right. And again, like, I know it sucks super bad when people get laid off, especially hundreds of people get laid off. But at the oh, same yeah. time, you got to do what's smart for what's, what's going to keep the company in business. And maybe, you know, again, you could make the argument that that wasn't necessary in the case of, uh, of Activision Blizzard. Who knows? I don't know. Oh, EA, you know, they, they go in every morning and they have a dartboard and they just start throwing it. <laughs> it's like... You know, steal money from your employees, release another terrible game, fire 800 employees if you get a bullseye. And I was like, oh, shit, we got a bullseye. I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm obviously kidding. But, you know. Yeah. So, anyway, sucks. It'll be. It does. I, and it's weird that all these are happening at once. I don't know why that is. But, anyway. Yeah, actually, I didn't realize that that was going on. I hadn't done any research to see what's going on. That's interesting. Uh, also, outside of that stuff, there was news that Reggie, Reggie. I, I never remember how to pronounce his last name. I believe it's Fiza May. Um, the the uh, president of Nintendo. He is a president, right, of Nintendo North America? Yeah. Um, yeah. Has My announced that he's going to be, that, that he's going to retire in April. And he announced his predecessor, predecessor immediately, which is, which is also, a, it's always a good sign to me. Like when, when a president steps down and they already have somebody, you know, lined up for it. It's yeah. always concerning when, when they don't, because that usually means it wasn't planned. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. They they clearly have a plan. I mean, this definitely seemed like, you know, this is just, they, they, they have everything worked out. It's not like some disaster happened. He's like, oh, shit, I got to get out. I got to get out of this company. It's like, clearly it's just time yeah. for him to retire. So, uh... Sets him up for success and bails. I'm kidding. It, <laughs> so, 
he's going to go. A lot of people are not like upset, but just kind of sad about this because he he became <laughs> sort of like kind of like a meme almost. Yeah, for Nintendo, and I but a more positive term. <laughs> yeah, in a, in a positive way. For, I, I I don't know. He if, genuinely seemed interested in what he did. Like like very, he seemed like a nerd. You know, it's funny. I don't know that I got that vibe from him. I I kind of got maybe like he's not that much of a nerd even. Uh, and that like I don't know if if he didn't. He's not a guy who I would look at and say. Well, if he didn't work for Nintendo, he would still be playing video games anyway. I don't necessarily, I don't get that vibe from him. He doesn't seem that way to me. But what I do like about him a lot is that he seemed uh, very kind of um, honest and straightforward about... Genuine? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's that's the best way to put it. He seemed genuine. He wasn't like trying to be cool. He wasn't, yeah. I feel like that's the trap that Microsoft and Sony kind of put oh, themselves yeah, in. Oh, yeah, these... a lot of A lot of developers and... Yeah, they're they're like we're hip gamers. Gamers are awesome, and we're we're with you guys. And like you know, fucking I don't know. I can't even. <laughs> I, I know, can't, you can't even do it. It's I so you're it. gonna make me cringe. Careful. <laughs> but uh, and then and they're like, we got the coolest games. You know, we're gonna change the whole landscape of video games and like all this shit. And like Reggie, on the other hand, just comes out. and He's like, hey, we got some awesome Nintendo games. Let's take a look at what we got. Yep. What we got going on. We'll let the games speak for themselves. You know, you know who's a, a big proponent in the last several years of doing putting their foot in their mouth? Oh, Fucking gosh. Blizzard, man. Between <laughs> between the you think you do, you do, and and but you don't. That that meme dream, and then the most recent one about oh, you have a cell phone, don't you? Like, it's, it's, like, <laughs> it's like them just trying so hard. It's like uh, like I just want to fall over and start cringing. Like just stop. Yep. So um. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. He seemed the most genuine to me. He wasn't yeah. trying to be cool. He was just telling telling everybody what's what's going what, what Nintendo's up to, and not trying to like make a huge ass deal out of it. Not trying to make them seem cooler than they are. Um, just saying, hey, you guys like Nintendo stuff. This is what we're doing. So, <laughs> you want more of this? Here it so comes. That, <laughs> so that's sad to see him go. Yeah. Um, other Nintendo news. A uh, bunch of Nintendo news actually. So there was a Nintendo Direct, um, but actually before that, and I, I, I didn't watch the whole Nintendo Direct, so this may have been mentioned on there as well, but um, uh, Skybound Publishing announced that uh, they are bringing kind of a lot of classic CRPGs to Switch. They are bringing Baldur's Gate 1 and 2, as well as Siege of Dragonsphere. Wow. Uh, Icewind Dale, Planescape Torment, Ooh. and Neverwinter Nights Enhanced Edition. Damn. Yeah, so that's kind of out of nowhere. And that's really cool, actually. Yeah, and pretty cool, I think. Um, also, you remember Bloodstained Ritual of the Night? Uh, the Kickstarter yeah. for the for the Castlevania, basically Castlevania spiritual successor. We mm-hmm. talked we talked about that on the podcast in 2015. Which was when the uh, Kickstarter <laughs> launched. Their release oh, no. date was March 2017, or it was supposed to be. Uh, oof, now oof. they finally announced the release window. They said they have said summer of 2019. So uh, the Yikes. game is apparently actually going to come out. Supposedly, uh, we'll see. <laughs> now it does seem scary it's, it, it sounds like a mighty number nine situation however oh no however 
they did, excuse me, they did release a uh, kind of like an interim game in the meantime. Like, oh, okay. Gosh, six months or a year, probably closer to a year ago. It was, I forgot what it was called, but it was basically a, uh, like an any like a very true to graphics NES uh, style Castlevania game that they kind of okay. like released in the meantime as they were making this. And that game, everybody seemed to like it. I, I did not play it, but I heard only mm-hmm. good stuff about it. So that's Our a strategy. good sign. Yeah, good strategy. And I think that's a good sign. So otherwise, I would be very, very concerned about this. Um. But as it is, I'm kind of like, okay, well, they did a good job with that. Let's 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 see. This could end up being good, even though it took literally twice as long as they expected it to. <laughs> um, and then a couple other Nintendo things. Uh, Mario Maker Two was announced on the Nintendo Direct. Actually, that, I just saw that today. You just saw it today, really? Yeah. The biggest thing that everybody seems to be excited about are slopes. So uh, we got that going for us. I'm pretty excited about that. I think that's going to be really cool. Also, uh, they are remaking Link's Awakening for the Switch. And it looks pretty awesome, I think. Are you a Link's Awakening fan? I'd be definitely down to give it a shot, yeah. Yeah. Have you have you played the original one? Um, I don't think so. It's the Game Boy one. Yeah, there was a few for Game Boy. Or rather, I played a, I played a few for Game Boy. Well, I think this was the only. Oh, one you mean original Game original Boy? I'm Game sorry. Boy. There, there were actually. a couple versions of it. They had it. It was the original Game Boy, and I believe it was the only one on original Game Boy. But they also remade it for. They also did a version for uh, Game Boy Color later on, and I think there was maybe even a, like a DX version on on DS or, or Game Boy Advance or probably probably Game Boy Advance. I could be wrong. I played about a that few. One. I played a few for Game Boy, so I may have played this. I'm looking at it right now. It's the one that has a big egg, a big like volcano with an egg on it on the title screen. Okay, maybe not. You probably would remember it if because that's the only thing I remembered from it. Gotcha. Um, I remember liking the game quite a bit, and it also has uh, chain chomps in it, which is really funny. Uh, those are the only what? things I remember about it. So, uh, but uh, it, it was. I remember that it was very good. So everybody seems to be pretty pretty stoked about this. And the game... Oh, yeah, it should be. Yeah, and the graphics look beautiful, I think. It looks really, really, really good. It seems like something that would translate to newer systems as well. I think it does, yeah. Um, the the footage they showed just looked beautiful to me. So I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty excited about this. In fact, I think I may go ahead and play the Game Boy one. So that way I can kind of compare them when the new one comes out. That's kind of cool. Yeah, I, I, so I think I will probably do that. Plus, the Game Boy One was so good, anyways. It you know won't hurt just to play it for fun. So uh, the only other thing is Tetris Ninety Nine. You down with Tetris Ninety Nine? Uh, what is is it unique to? Tetris? You don't know? Oh man, you haven't been you haven't you haven't kept been keeping up with Tetris Ninety Nine. It is no. Battle Royale Tetris. What do you mean Battle Royale? All right, so you know Battle Royale. You know what that means, yeah. right? Don't, don't you dare say it's Battle Royale with Tetris. I'm going to kill you. It is. Oh, whoa. What you know, the hell is this? I can't believe you haven't heard of this. It is. So this is on, if you have a Switch Online, this, is, this, oh. game, is, this game is free. And it's only a, it's a purely multiplayer Tetris. And so you know how like you could play two-player Tetris? 
And yeah. when you clear some blocks, then it puts them over on your opponent's yeah, screen? Yeah. I'm watching somebody play right now. Okay, so it is 99 people playing Tetris all at once. And <laughs> you can see, it's really cool. So you have, you know, obviously the main Tetris screen like usual. But then in the background, you can see all of the other 98 people who are playing. It's got like little tiny screens and you can, it shows, it's updating in real time. It's showing what's happening on all of their screens. And you have a little target. And you can move it around to who you want to target. So when you oh, that's kind of cool. Yeah. So when you uh, when you clear your blocks, whoever you're targeting, that's who they go to. And you can also set it on to target anybody who's targeting you. So if like oh, that's three or four people are targeting you, then you're targeting all of them back at the same time. <laughs> Holy shit, this game is so much fun. And then it's and the way and it's the last person standing wins, you know, just battle royale sure. style. I have been you know, I don't really like Tetris. I have played quite a bit of this game. It is wow. it is super fun. And yet? uh no, I've gotten 6th place. I've got I've broken top 10 3 or 4 times. I got 6th place, I think is my Weak. best. Every time except for twice, I've broken top 50. Oh. Uh one time I just like it was ridiculous. It was like 10 seconds into the game and all of a sudden five people targeted me at once. My screen just instantly filled up. Oh, that's so funny. That's yeah. kind of BM that you can do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, uh, but, but the, also they have the classic Tetris music. So that's, that, that adds, that adds a whole lot to it. But again, you know that I'm not a big Tetris fan. This game is super fun. If this is, I feel like how Tetris, like this is what makes Tetris a good game to me. <laughs> um, I've been having, I haven't, I haven't played a ton of it, but I have played like a few nights where I'm like, all right, one more game, okay, one more game, ah, oh, just one more, all right, I, I don't oh, just no. after this. So uh, it, it is really, really fun. If anybody has a Switch and has Switch Online and, and hasn't played this yet, I highly recommend it. It's awesome. That's cool. Yeah, I hadn't heard about this. Yeah, it is really fun. Uh, so uh, that's all the news, more than usual. I was going to say. Time to talk about games. You want to uh, go first? Sure. I can go first. Okay. All right. Let me pull up my uh, notes here. Hey. How you doing? Good. Good. Why? I don't know. Just like saying it. <laughs> I'm looking for the release here. Give me one second. <clears throat> 99. All right. Ooh, um, thanks for reminding So, yeah, wait. Reminding you what? Uh, I need to look at the year. Oh, uh, Tetris 99? <laughs> um, anyway. <laughs> you're a unique fellow, you know that? <laughs> uh, in honor of, of Jeffington, so yesterday we, we, we play D&D with Jeff pretty regularly. And as uh, we were... Jeff, our uh, email and our email writer listener. Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Thanks for clarifying. Um, I was talking to him about Chocobo's Dungeon 2 because I hey, hey, have been playing it a lot. Sorry, hold on one second. My uh, thing just came unplugged, so I want to stop the recording and restart it just to make sure it's getting everything. Okay. Okay, we're good to go. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Pretty sure. Sorry You're sure. That. Yes. Don't say pretty sure. I heard pretty sure that's like ninety nine percent. Ooh, ninety nine. <laughs> like Tetris. <laughs> Shut Are up. you sure? Shut up and go. 
Okay. Listen, don't tell me to shut up and go. <laughs> um, so as Robert said, uh, Jeff, one of our regular listeners and, and emailers, um, we, we play D&D with him regularly. And I was talking about Chocobo's Dungeon too, because I have been playing it for, I don't even know now, like probably like a week straight. And I've invested like 25 hours. And he was like, hey, you should you should do another discussion on Chocobo's Dungeon 2 because it's been a while since you talk about it. And he's like, I feel like it's a game that should get more recognition and you can do a much more um, in-depth review of the game. And so I wanted to take him up on that because I feel like the first time, because I listened to what I said about Chocobo's Dungeon, and I feel like I gave it a pretty good um, explanation, but I think I can go a lot more in-depth and kind of talk through... Um, some of the main reasons why I think it's such a great game. So, Chocobo's Dungeon 2 is a PlayStation 1 game that came out in 1999. Now, it's called Chocobo's Dungeon 2, but I believe there wasn't a first one at the time. I think it was just a misprint, if I'm not mistaken, when it transferred over to America from Japan. And this is a Square... I believe it's Squaresoft. I think it was prior to, prior to the merge. Yeah, it's Squaresoft. Um, and this game is a... Uh, it's a roguelike uh, dungeon crawling game. Well, I guess it's kind of redundant. So... No, uh, you play it as... there's there's plenty of non dungeon crawling roguelikes. Oh really? I mm-hmm. didn't yeah. know that. Okay. Um, so the, uh, like I said, this is a a dungeon call dungeon crawling roguelike game where you play as a chocobo, um, and so you have very cartoony graphics, very bright graphics, and obviously it's square, so you get some some strong square music, and then you also get a lot of creatures that are incorporated throughout um, a lot of square soft games. So you get like a cactuar type mob. Um, there's Malborals that you run into from time to time. Uh, there's goblins. I'm trying to think what else really translates over. Um, anyway, so they, they incorporate some of the monsters. You also get uh, some of the summons, so like Ramu and Ifrit, uh, Shiva and stuff. You can actually get them and use them throughout the game. So they incorporate certain elements from some of the Final Fantasy games. And this game obviously came out in 1999, so there only were so many Final Fantasies out at that point. Um, but Chocobo's Dungeon is... It's a very fun game for for a bunch of different reasons. It's it's quite difficult. It's punishing, um, like like most uh, dungeon crawling games, most uh, roguelike games. When you die, obviously, it sets you back greatly. So if you are working, so it doesn't. Ha- let me let me just interrupt. It, it, it doesn't have permadeath, however, like roguelikes, though, right? Correct. Okay. Yeah, and actually, I was going to say it's a little bit it's a little bit softer um, in that regard. So it, it, it obviously, if you are carrying stuff and you die, um, you get teleported back to the town and you lose everything that you have in your pockets. There are a couple things that you do keep. Um, your chocobo has levels, so the chocobo gets stronger, gets more health. Um, you keep your spell levels, so when you're casting spells, for instance, if you're casting fire, uh, every time you cast it, you get experience towards leveling up your fire spell. But if you cast fire a bunch of times and then cast arrow, well, arrow is, has only been cast once, so it's really weak. So you have to level up your spells as you're going through it. Um, so you keep your spell levels, you keep your uh, chocobo experience, and then I'm trying to think, is there anything else you really keep beyond that? Um, I don't think so. If, if I remember something, I'll come back to it. But uh, when you when you get back to town, it's rough, man. If you, you like most of these types of games, if when you go back to town, it's like, oh shit, like I'm lost everything I have. And in a lot of cases, the town, if you talk to somebody, they'll give you like some starting gear, like some, some real basic items and some armor or something, and then you can get started. But man, when you when you die, it is brutal. And I've died twice. And both times I thought about restarting the entire game because mm-hmm. it just it wrecks your momentum. I mean, you're, you're, you're working through the game, you're collecting items, you're upgrading armor and weapons, and then you die. And it's just all of it goes away. And it's, it's absolutely brutal. 
So uh, when you actually go into a dungeon, the entire thing is turn-based. So you're on this grid, more or less. And as every time you take a step, every monster that's on the map that you can't see moves as well. And in a lot of cases, they move towards you, right? So every time you move, um, your, your partner moves, which I'll talk about your partner in a second. And then the mobs move around on the map. And sometimes the mobs will do things like if it's a caster, he'll walk up to you. He'll get in range to cast a spell. He'll begin the spell, and you can see underneath their uh, character bar is the charge for the cast. And so you can get an idea of, oh, he's casting on me. So if you move away from him, he has to move towards you, and his cast time or the progress that he's made on casting a spell goes away. So there's that, and then obviously mobs move up to you, and then they try to attack you. Now, the, the sort of the, the most difficult or most complex mechanical aspect of this game is you can attack um, all eight directions. Right? So if a mob comes at you diagonally, you need to strike in the right direction. And if you swing at the wrong direction, you do nothing, and that is your turn. So on your turn, you can either move or attack um, or cast spells or use items, right? Any one, one specific action. So if a mob walks up on you and he's coming from, you know, like the northwest quadrant from where you're standing, and you swing west or left, you just met, you whiff, and then he hits you. And in a lot of cases, it, it's every time you do that, he always crits you. <laughs> With, without a doubt, whenever Gosh. you just goof and completely miss your attack, you always get credit. It's not, there's nothing in the coding. It's just like, oh, you screwed up. Let me make it as punishing oh, gotcha. as possible. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just one of those type of things that, you know, isn't actually in the code. Um, and that's what I was talking about. So you normally have a companion that comes with you. So early on, you get uh, Mog, which is just, you know, like I said, they translate a lot of uh, Squaresoft-type characters. So you get, like, a Mog or a Moogle that, that follows you around. Um, you also get Sid, which, of course, Sid's in every freaking Squaresoft game. And guess what? He's a mechanic. He has a tank. He has an airship. Like, it's typical Sid-type uh, stuff. Um, and then you also get Sharoma, who's this white mage, um, who's actually one of the main portions of the story. And each one of them has a special ability that they can use. Sid, he sets a landmine. Um, that if you walk over, you detonate. If enemies walk over, they detonate, and it does AOE damage. And it actually deals damage in nine squares. So it deals damage in the center and then all eight squares around it. It also uh, damages the dungeon walls. And the, the dungeon walls are similar to that of like dungeon keepers. So you can actually eliminate walls and make your own pathways if you want to. There are also certain instances where if you go sort of outside the boundaries of the, the dungeon, there's hidden items sometimes. And you'll see these on the map every once in a while, and you like dig your way to it. It's usually something very powerful, like something very impactful, or something that's just worth a lot of money. Um, and then Shroma's special ability, she can heal you. And she won't do it on command. She will only do it when you get critically low on HP. And this is where a lot of fun can come in. So let's say you have 100 health, right? And you walk around, you're fighting, and you get to like 50. And then you get down to 40, and then you're at 35. But wait, when you get to critically low, it's roughly about 30. So you're at 35 health, you're like, crap. I need her to heal me, but she's not going to because I'm not critically low. And then a mob crits you for like 38 and you die. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, dog, you had your heal up. It would, it, like, why would you do that to me? <laughs> uh, I, got, I got pretty good at it. So I, I kind of figured out the math. So I was like, okay, I'm fine here. Uh, this is riskier here. And you tend, and she can only use it once per floor. So there, that's another sort of resource. And that's, that's the main element of this game. And that's why I love this game so much. There are all these little intricate resources that you have at your disposal that can give you advantages and disadvantages. So there are a ton of different types of items in the game. And when you pick them up, generally they are all unidentified. They usually have yeah. descriptors. Potions are called like bubbly or, um, vinegary um there's like if there's pretty funny ones like for, for there's uh, nuts which are like you know nuts for the chocobo or seeds um they can be called really funny things like musty musty nuts um there's <laughs> so are nuts uh, are nuts just like potions no so they have all these so i'm going to kind of talk through some of that so 
this is this is that resource system I was talking about. So mm -hmm. potions, I'm gonna start with that. So potions, there are all these different types of potions. There's potion, high potion, X potion, um, amnesia, which which is the most frustrating thing in the world. If you drink it, you forget everything in your bag. So all your items in your inventory go to unidentified. Oh wow, that yeah. sounds like a bit much. Oh man. <laughs> so so there, there's antidote, which cures poison. Guess what? There's poison. There's confuse. Um, there's sleep. Um, there is. Uh, nitro, which just blows up and does damage to you. There's mm -hmm. damage tonic, which is separate than nitro, which actually deals half of whatever health um, it hits. So if you drink it, it deals half your HP. So there are all these different types of potions, and you can identify them a couple different ways. One, you can drink them, which is the riskiest way. Two, you can identify them either using an identify card, which I'll talk about in a second, or a verify card. Again, I'll talk about that in a second. Um, you can kick them at the wall, so you can kick the potion at the wall, but when you do that, it shatters. So if it shatters, um, you obviously don't get the effect of it. And in certain cases, it could be something like a high potion. So you kick it against the wall and it's like high potion, high potion shatters. But because you did that, you now know, your character will know uh, that that, whatever the generic name of that potion is, is a high potion. So if you kick it so, against the wall and it says so it's a high potion. Do you all, will it always tell you what it is if you throw it against the wall? Yes, okay. if it breaks. You can also kick it to your companion and use it on them. So kind of like test subject them. So mm -hmm. if it's like a poison, you just poison your partner, or if you damage them or whatever, you can, you can do that to identify it. Um, uh, but the thing is, so when you consume a potion, you get an empty bottle and empty bottles ha have a use. I'll talk about that in a second. So when you kick a bottle and it breaks, you lose the opportunity to get an empty bottle, which can actually come into play. So uh, that's, it, there's a trade-off, right? So you're like, I'm not going to take any risks. I'm going to kick this potion against the wall. I'm going to identify it, especially early on when you're first getting to like the first couple floors um, and you don't know what any item is. It's very smart, I would say, to do that because early on, it's not a big deal. Whereas later on, it may be a, a critical thing where you don't want to risk losing like a high potion or an X potion. Um, empty bottles are used to fill up at geysers. There are these little pools on certain maps where you can act, you just dunk your, your empty bottle in there and you fill it up and it's a random potion. It could be something you've identified already or something you haven't identified. So it's kind of important that you have enough empty bottles, which I have like 50 or 60 right now, so they're not super rare. Um, but you can use those to sort of scoop up the, the pool and usually get like two or three different um, reaches into the pool before it runs out. Um, and then the last thing po uh, bottles for, empty bottles for, is you can kick them at enemies. One, it deals damage. So in certain cases, I've actually sat there and kicked bottles at something to kill it in order <laughs> to not die, which is so funny. And they do very minimal damage. They like four damage. And your auto attacks do anywhere from like 15 to 30. So they do very minimal damage. But if it kills it, uh, certain mobs, it'll actually capture them in the bottle. And it's called an essence. And can be used to upgrade items and some other stuff. But you can also just drink them, essence, and you get some sort of effect from it. It's pretty cool, right? So that's potions. Uh, nuts, uh, as I was talking about before, they come in these generic names that are really funny, but they have effects like level up. So it's an instant level, which you don't level very much. I'm like level 37 right now, and I've been playing for 20 hours probably. Uh, so wow. a level up nut is huge. So if you waste that, oh man, it's brutal. But at the same time, there's level down nuts. So if you, if you take a risk and you're like, fuck it, I'm just going to eat this and take the risk, and it's a level down nut, you literally just lose a level. And it is just like the amnesia tonic, it's brutal. It's such a frustrating thing to happen. Um, there's also, also things like, um, there's ones that put you to sleep. Uh, there's ones that reduce your energy. And I didn't talk about that. So you have, your two main uh, resource pools are your health, which obviously if it hits zero, you die, and your energy, which, is, which ranges from one to, or actually zero to 100%. If it reaches zero, you pass out and you just lose. You're out. So the nuts are primarily used to uh, boost your energy and the potions are generally used to boost your health, right? 
So you have to, again, you can kick the nuts at your companion in order to identify them. You can consume them. Um, you can also use cards, which I'll talk about in a second. And so again, when you have all these different items that are unidentified in your bags, there are times when you want to take risks, but it can be very punishing and you can just get absolutely frustrated. This, um, um, so cards. Can, can, I, Sorry, can I interject for just a second? Yeah, by all this, means. This, um, so, I mean, obviously, like you said, this is a roguelike game, or at least in many ways it is. And uh, clearly they're taking a ton of tropes from like the most classic roguelikes. And uh, so a lot of this sounds very familiar to me because I don't, I don't play rogue and net hack very much which are like the two granddaddies of roguelike games but i do play yeah. a bunch of roguelikes uh in particular the one that i play the most by far is brogue which is uh, very similar to rogue and net hack and all these things are like it sounds like almost like you're describing the same game in a lot oh, of that's super in, cool. in particular like the potions and stuff like how you have to you know either just drink them because like a lot of time well in Brogue, you have to, um, you can identify stuff, but even like the identification scrolls, you don't know what those are until you've discovered what scroll is the identification yes. scroll. So, yes. you al so you, you always have to just try stuff out the risky way, at least to some degree, usually to like a very heavy degree, because typically the, uh, the identify in that game, the identification scrolls are usually pretty rare. So interesting. the only way to, uh, well, not the only way, but like you primarily have to rely on just like taking a risk and be like, all right, I'm going to drink this potion and see what it does. But one trick, I don't know if, if this is true for uh chocobo's dungeon. Um, there are two scrolls that are, uh, well, to take it back, there are some potions and some scrolls that are more, uh, common than others. And so one trick that you can do is wait until you have a whole bunch of potions or scrolls or whatever it is. And the one that you have the most of, there's a higher chance that that's going to be like this particular potion. Yeah. Yeah. Does that, is that true for this game? There as is well? a similar mechanic. Yeah. There are certain ones that are generally more common, especially in the, the earlier levels of dungeons. So if you get like three cards that are all the same generic type or unidentified type, in a lot of cases, you can assume those are like map cards, identify cards. They're usually not the negative ones or like right. super powerful good ones. Yeah. You have so many of them. Gotcha. Um, so yeah, the cards, like you were saying, so the scrolls or cards are unidentified, and those ones are the identify feature along with the verify. Verify just identifies everything in your bags. So you again, you, like you and I were talking about, there's this risky sort of level where you're like, shit, I need to, I'm, I'm running out of room because you obviously have limited space, um, but you don't want to take too many risks and end up dying. The only other, uh, the only other permanent thing I was going to talk about that, that doesn't go away when you die um is your the the capacity the chocobo has so there are tags or there's another resource type called tags and one of them is a carry tag which increases your your uh, capacity by one and that is permanent so if you die you thankfully get to keep those because they're very expensive they're ten thousand gil which a potion's like 50 or 100 so just think about that like they, wow. they're, they're exponentially more expensive than anything else in the game um so beyond that, I'm not going to go too much more into those items, but the, the armor and weapons, you have claws and you have a saddle. And so the claws can be anything from digging claws, which allow you to dig through the walls. Um, they can be things that heal you on damage, higher crit chance. Um, and similar to other roguelikes that I've seen, uh, your claws and saddles are unidentified, obviously, as you pick them up. And when you equip them, if they are negative stats, so if they reduce your armor or reduce your attack, they're cursed. And they become attached to you and they can't be removed uh, unless you use certain items to do so. So in a lot of cases, it's kind of risky to equip uh, weapons and armor without identifying it. 
Um, and the other thing is, so you have to oh, use right. an item. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The curse stuff. That's a big thing. Yeah, they, use they, other ones they, yeah, exactly. And then so when you get to a stove, you can use, uh, you can combine items too, which is pretty cool. So you can uh, identify your, your armor and your weapons, and then you can pick certain ones and you can merge them together. And you actually sort of get to customize the combination a little bit. You get one of two choices and you can dis determine which sort of pieces of each claw you want to keep. So if it's a digging claw, um, but the other one has higher attack. Well, you can keep the digging aspect of it and still get the plus attack, but you'll lose something else in trade. So there's some strategy when you're melding items too. Um, it also increases their durability, which is kind of nice. Um, Does it have um, rings or any like accessory type? Uh... It has collars. I actually haven't okay. seen a single collar my, this entire playthrough. I'm super far into the game. I haven't gotten one. Yeah, collars just sit in your bags. Uh, you equip them. And uh, so far, when I've seen them in this game, they're either dog shit or mediocre. So I haven't they, seen they any do that are think, super They do good. things like besides just provide armor, correct? Yeah, they don't even yeah. give armor. They have like right, unique right. effects to them. I, I, I can't even think of one offhand, but um, yeah, they, they, I just remember them kind of being whatever. In uh, in Brogue, they are typically extremely helpful as long as you don't as long as you don't get a cursed one because you know of course the same as with anything else yep. you don't know what they are um, same deal but uh, there are some that like cause you to uh, especially essentially like vamp health from enemies as you oh that's super them. cool yeah that's a really good that's that's one of the strongest ones there's that and there's a stealth one that's actually extremely good if you uh, I don't want to go into too much in the in depth into brogue but you can enchant it you can get uh and do, do they have scrolls of enchanting or something like that in uh in um not really they have uh, certain cards that can make your armor or weapon stronger but it's not like any it doesn't add any effects to it other than just giving it like plus more armor or plus okay. more damage so this one has or that increase the durability this one has that and they will do that to weapons and armor but also on most rings and and even some other stuff they will whatever it does they'll make it do it better basically so if you get uh one of the one of the really powerful builds is if you get a ring of stealth and enchanted a whole lot, then you can be like two squares away from a monster, and there's a pretty good chance that they won't ever even see you. So you just you what you end up doing is just going through the game killing as few things as possible because you don't have to, and things can't see you. So uh, yeah, rings are like they're they're huge in in this game. Yeah. Um, the last thing I was going to talk about was spells. So I talked about spell levels a little bit, but so this is another another resource you have at your disposal. So as you're progressing through the game, um, you can pick up spell books and they have things like fire, blizzard, thunder, arrow, drain, which does exactly that. You drain health from the target, uh, quake. And every time you cast a spell again, you get experience towards that spell's level. And as they get stronger, they start to do more things. They start to do more damage. Um, and it, it's really crazy. Sometimes you'll have so many spell books, but you'll have no weapons and armor. So it's like, okay, I got to focus. So I'm just going to use a lot of spells. I'm not going to take any risks. And, you know, obviously other times you'll get very low spell books and you'll get like high armor and uh, high weapons. So you need to be a little bit flexible in that regard. And then as you're progressing through the game, you get a uh, cameo from Biggs, Wedge, and Jesse um, are three black mages in, in one of the main cities in the game. And they will actually upgrade your spells for you. So as you're progressing through the game, you get a choice. So, uh, for instance, they give you the opportunity to upgrade, I think it's your Blizzard, Fire, and Thunder. And if you do the Thunder, it's like a cross-type effect, because again, this is on a grid. The Blizzard one's like a, a sort of Tetris piece in front of you, and the Fire one's something something else. I'm pretty sure it's like a direct line or something. So you get the ability to upgrade your spells. So if you are like, okay, I'm going to upgrade my Fire spell, I'm going to try and cast my Fire spell as, early, uh, as often as I can early on in order to make it higher level, so that when it does get boosted, it becomes all that just more powerful. 
Um, the last thing I was talking about was summons. So summons can be anything just like in the Final Fantasy series. You get Ifrit and Shiva who do deal, to deal damage. And then you get things like Carbuncle, which gives you a defensive type effect. And these are usually very rare and you have to be uh, doing pretty damn well to get these. Because in a lot of cases, uh, they're locked in a treasure chest that you have to cast a spell on. So you walk up to the treasure chest. It opens up all the spell books you have available. You choose fire. You cast fire on the lockbox. And then it'll tell you if it's if it's correct, it opens. If it's wrong, it'll tell you which spell to cast based on a visual and uh, an auditory effect. So if it's like supposed to be quake, then it makes like a grumbling sound, like stones collapsing, and then there's an earth-like effect. So at that point, you know, obviously, you, you pretty much you either get it right the first time or get it right the second time. But in certain cases, you may not have that spell because you used all of uh, that that spell's ability. So for instance, if you go up and you cast fire and it does the arrow noise and you're like, well, shit, I don't have arrow. I just wasted a fire spell for no reason, which can be pretty devastating. <laughs> um, one of the, so one of the things I'm going to talk about is um, similar to a lot of these types of games, there are stores as you're progressing through the dungeons. And it is great that the shopkeep is death. Literally, death is the shopkeep. And so you go in there, you pick up an item, you can look at it, and he has unidentified items and identified items, obviously. You can buy or sell from him, and then when you try to leave, he goes, okay, all the stuff you left here, I'll give you this much money, and all the stuff you picked up, you owe me this much money. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, and he won't let you leave until you pay your bill, right? But if you have digging claws or uh, explosive rocks, which you can kick rocks, you can pick up rocks and kick certain ones, um, and you can dig your way out of his store, you can sort of rob him. The problem is when you rob him, he doesn't really like it. And so you essentially will, you're like, okay, I'm going to create a path on my way out. I'm going to pick up all of his stuff. I'm going to go to leave. He mm -hmm. tells me the bill. I'm going to tell him no, and then I'm going to run. And the second you move out of his store or out of the bounds of what his store should be, he summons like 30 of himself and they start charging <laughs> an attack. And if it finishes, it's almost guaranteed a one-shot. It does like several hundred damage and mm -hmm. you probably have like 150 health. <laughs> yeah so sounds, sounds similar not bro doesn't have that but like nethack does and a lot of a lot of them do yeah and the worst part is so there are teleport tags which is a way to get out of the dungeon and if you do that he goes i see and then he prevents you from doing it so if you <laughs> rob him the only way out is to uh go to the next floor so you have to sort of line yourself up or, or strategize how you're going to get out of that floor quick enough to where he doesn't kill you. In a lot of cases, I, I did this several times today. I, I just robbed every shopkeeper I ran into, but every single time they killed my companion, every single time they would <laughs> kill my companion, which is really sad. Um, but in a lot of cases, the only time I, I really do it is when he has something that I can't afford, like the carry tags, carry tags are 10,000 gil. So a lot of times I'll just steal those from him and then just peace out. And it's like, well, it's, it's worth it. Even if I die, because it's 10,000 gil and it increases my, my inventory space permanently. Um, so uh, one other thing I want to mention. So the mobs in the game um, obviously level up as you're going deeper into the dungeon. So if you fight uh, Malboral, he may be green early on and then he gets into his next level and he becomes blue. Um, so the, there's two ways that they can uh, level up, the, the mobs. You get deeper into the dungeon, they just automatically start becoming the higher tier or if they kill something. So if they kill another mob, so if a Malboral kills uh, like a goblin and levels up from it, he gets super duper strong. Also, if they kill your companion, they level up. If this happens early on, it's guaranteed you are dead. Because in a lot of cases, these mobs, they go from hitting for like 10 to 15, upwards of like 40 to 50. Okay. It, it is devastating when they kill a mob because the second you see it, you're like, okay, I either need to run for my life, I need to teleport out of this dungeon, or I need to try and 
burn him using like summons or some sort of big spell because they are super powerful. Now there also is a mob, a flying mob that can choose to combine itself with another mob and level that mob up, which can be the worst scenario. So there are these ogre type mobs that um, they're so stupid, but they, they hit very, very hard and they crit a lot. And uh, earlier I was playing and one of the other mobs, it's this ghost type mob combined with it to level it up. And the ogre just jumped and crit me and one tapped me. And I was so frustrated. <laughs> I had almost full health and it still killed me because it was a critical and it was a higher level. And it's, it's roguelikes, you know, obviously you, they go from zero to hundred out of nowhere. So yeah, yeah. you can be feeling on top of the world, have a ton of healing potions, have good armor, but still some sort of bullshit happens where you'll be walking, you step on a landmine, um, maybe you get teleported away from your companion because there's traps all over the map too. So there's spike traps, there's fire traps, there's poison traps, there's slow traps, there's all these different types of uh, mechanics that can screw you over. And there's also teleport ones. So if you're walking, all of a sudden, you'll just get teleported from the top right corner of the map to the bottom left corner of the map. And your companion stays where they are. So all, you can be completely isolated and just get completely screwed over. Um, what I love about this game is what I was talking about before is the resources. You have all these different items and, and that are all at your disposal. And again, you have capacity limits. So you have to be very strategic on how you use your items, um, how much you're leveling your spells, make sure not to use, overuse your armor or weapons to break them. There's just so much going on that you're, you're kind of walking through this. It's a turn-based game, but your mind is going so often because you're looking at things like you might find an amnesia tonic on the ground, which is what I talked about before, which... Uh, unidentifies all the items in your bags and maybe you'll find like a tired uh nut which reduces your energy you can collect those and you're like okay i'm gonna hold on to these i'm not going to use them uh but then i can go to what's what's called a recycling bin there's this uncertain maps you run into these recycling bins where you can put two items in and get an item out so you can take these two garbage items and you can put them in the recycling bin and get something minor like a fire uh, book or maybe like a, just a potion um just anything right because you're, you're essentially taking things that you would otherwise dispose of and and getting something useful out of it. So your capacity is critical, right? Your inventory space throughout the entire game, you're trying to manage it to, to the best of your ability, but you also want to have enough resources in there that if you get to the boss, which happens anywhere from like floor 15 to floor 30, depending on which dungeon you're in, um, you have enough resources to beat the bosses. So it's, it's a super duper fun game. Um, I have been playing nonstop since I started playing again. And I don't know. I've died a few times. I've gotten a little bit frustrated here and there. I've died to some absolute bullshit. I've had some really stupid things happen. Like there's these mobs that de-equip your items on, they have a chance on hit. So I had, a, I had really powerful armor, really powerful weapon. He hits me, un, uh, unequips all my items. So you can either use oh, your man. turn to re-equip the items, right? So I can either waste my turn to try and re-equip my items, or I can try and kill him before he kills me. So I re-equip my armor, he hits me again and unequips my armor, and then somebody from behind hits me and kills me. And it's like, oh my God, <laughs> so well. Like, I didn't think there was any chance in hell I was going to die to this. And it's just absolutely brutal. Um, that sounds brutal. Fight, yeah, boss fights aren't, aren't too bad. They're pretty much standard. They're just a really powerful mob. You burn them down to the best of your ability. Um, certain cases, you have to be very strategic with your health and your, your companion's health. So you can use them to tank for a little bit while you cast spells. And then maybe you move up. Uh, and generally, mobs will hit you over your companion because you're just a higher priority target for them. So you can kind of, again, resource at your disposal is your health, your companion's health, just something else that you can use uh, to try and get a leg up. I think that's pretty much everything that I wrote down here. <laughs> Let me make sure. I mean, that's a lot, right? But it, it, yeah. there's just so much going on. And that's what I love about it. It's a turn-based game, but my mind is so active because I'm thinking about all the different aspects, the different things that I can yeah, do. Yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, so... Um, 
It's an absolute blast of a game. I, I highly recommend the game. The graphics are good enough to where they shouldn't they shouldn't take away from the game. Uh, music is you know squaresoft, so it's still still enjoyable. It's not memorable like some of their other titles, but it's good enough. It's mellow enough to where it doesn't get annoying or repetitive. Um, the sound effects are fun. Uh, they're a little bit cartoony, but they also kind of add another element to the game. I think that's about it. How many levels is it? Um, each do- so it's a there's a story to the game. So as you progress through it, um, you you basically will clear a dungeon, and once you clear that dungeon, that dungeon goes away, and a new is one. One dungeon, pops. one 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 floor. No, no. So a dungeon can be like 15 to 30 floors. Oh, damn. Yeah. So some of the, and, and, you know, you can obviously, when you go on, go downstairs or you, when you go down a floor, you can immediately find the stairs and go again. Right. But in other cases, you may, it may be the last freaking room you search is, is for the stairs. So yeah, I've been playing a ton and I just completed the, the, one of the, I think it was like 20 or 30 uh, floors and it was brutal at the end. Like I was struggling. I was limping when I got into the boss's room. And I had to sort of gimmick my way through it, just casting summons. I used all my summons, which are you know a pretty rare commodity, just to burn them down in hopes that I could kill them. Uh-huh. And I ended up doing it. But yeah, so it some of the dungeons can be pretty damn long. I just pulled up uh, how long to beat.com. It says main story is about 18 hours. Yeah, I saw the world record. I think the world record is 10 hours, I want to say. Wow, okay. I watched a little bit of it today, but yeah, it's it's a very fun game, and I know it has a lot of, like you said, has a lot of tropes of other uh, roguelike games. I'm sure it mimics a lot of things from different roguelikes, mm-hmm. but I just love it. I mean, it's it's super duper fun. It's not as punishing as as a um, you know because again, you retain your your character's level, um, your spell level, and your capacity, so you get to keep those. But yeah, it's not as punishing as as uh, similar titles or similar games in the genre. But still, like I know I, I understand what you were saying. We're you said like you felt like you just wanted to start over. I feel like yep. on a lot of these, if I got killed and lost all of my stuff, if I had the opportunity to just keep on going, I would probably just want to start over anyways myself. Yeah. You just lose momentum, right? It's like you did all this stuff. Like, and what I love about these types of games is based on the drops that you're getting, your strategy may change. Like if you, if you're getting, if yeah, you know yeah. you're getting. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And then like you lose it and you're like, like I had all this stuff planned out. I knew exactly what I was doing and then I just died and I just want to start over. Yeah. You, you have to, I, I love that too. How you have to uh, develop your, devise your strategy as you go along based on the things that you find. Oh man, I just got a collar. My first collar this playthrough. That's so funny. We just talked nice. about this. What color is it? How do they describe the color? Are they colors or? It said muddy collar <laughs> and I identify it and it's a, it's burden. Easy to get tired. So you become more tired quickly. It's cursed. Okay, so, so it's a cursed one. Gotcha. <laughs> that's so shitty. My first one is cursed. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how. Yeah, I mean, all of this just sounds so. I mean, obviously it is similar to a lot of these because, uh, you know, it takes all the troops like you were saying, but. um. Like even like to this, even so many of the specifics sound so similar to the, to to a lot of the games I play where it's like, yeah, their rings are so important, but sometimes I'll play a whole entire game and never find a single ring, for instance. So yeah. Like it's that. Not, I, I love that. Like, it's just yeah. so funny because sometimes you get like four of them and other times you just get none. Yeah. And you can't, and the cursed ones, you can't take off right until you like get a certain kind you have of. To find a specific item. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> I think if you're in town, you can also take it off. Oh, okay. Awesome. This uh that really makes me want to play this. 
Yeah, I thought it. I mean, I, I listened to the first time I talked about it, and I feel like I did not do it justice. Like, it, there, oh, yeah. it, there's just so much more to it. As I was listening to myself, I was like, "No, no, talk about this. No, no, talk about this." <laughs> so I took I took some pretty detailed notes. That's why I had uh, so much to say. That's awesome. All right, thank you for the rundown on that. Like I said, I really I hope to play this soon. I remember when you, when you described it the first time, I was like, "Yeah, that's, that sounds pretty cool." And then as I started playing more roguelikes over the past couple of years. It's kind of been in the back of my head. Like, I remember you talking about it. I was like, oh, wow, mm-hmm. I really should play this sometime. And now, now I really want to. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. All right. So is that all you played? Um, yeah, I'm playing another game right now, but I, I think I talked quite a bit. So I'll wait okay. till next time to talk about it more, more in detail. Okay. Well, um, so we have, so for me, as we discussed, we have, uh, we have Daikatana coming up in a couple episodes. That's our uh, game mm-hmm. of the quarter. That is, of course, uh, a game... Uh, designed by John Romero. Also, another John Romero-related thing that's coming up soon is Sigil, which we talked about recently, which is a uh, is a megawide, which is essentially a collection of custom levels that he made just recently for the original Doom. And so he is releasing that. That's supposed to come out. It was supposed to come out this month, but they there's some production delays, so it's not coming out until I think I think April now. Um, okay. so I was planning on playing sigil this month, which is a John Romero, you know, essentially, essentially a, a free doom expansion for the original doom. Uh, and then we have Daikatana coming up. So I was like, you know what, since sigil is coming out, I want to play doom before, before I play that. <laughs> and then now we were also playing Daikatana. So we got sigil, we got doom, we got Daikatana, all John Romero games. I was like, why don't we just go all in? on like the id first person shooters and start off at the very beginning with wolfenstein 3d oh man i i actually almost played doom to talk about today really oh wow yeah no joke that would have been <laughs> so i'm i'm, I'm kind of glad i didn't now but yeah it would have been fun. I, I think it would have been awesome um so so this is the first game that i played it came out it, this was a dos game it came out in 1992 it is wow. basically the first uh, first-person shooter, at least the first one with... I don't know if it's... It may be the first. If it's not the first, then it was, like, the first with graphics that really actually work. There were other first-person games, for sure, but I don't believe there were any first-person shooters, uh, at least not, like, with 3D graphics that moved at a, like, reasonable frame rate mm-hmm. or anything like that. So, essentially, the first first-person shooter. Of course, it was pretty groundbreaking, and uh, it kind of set a lot of uh, standards for, or maybe not standards, but a lot of uh, tropes for first-person shooters to come, such as you have you you seeing you know nothing but your gun in your view, and of course the things that are in front of you. <laughs> right? um, uh huh. And then We're having so used to it now. yeah yeah. And I remember and I've talked about this before. I know, so I'm sorry to be repetitive, but I just have to say it. I remember. The first time I ever saw this game at a friend's house, again, we see first-person shooters now all over the fucking place. We don't think a thing of it. But I was, but I remember how interesting I thought it was at the time to, to, for it to be your perspective and all you see is the gun that you're holding in front of you. I was like, oh, that's kind of, that's kind of an interesting way to, to depict you, you know, your, your character on the screen is like literally all you see is the gun that you're you know supposed to be holding. Um, again, now we don't even think twice about it. But it, it was kind of an interesting thing at the time. Uh, and then, uh, so, you know, so it's got that. It's got, you know, obviously just like the main idea of first-person shooters, you running around shooting at bad guys. 
Um, basically, the middle of the screen is your cursor, more or less. Uh, picking up ammo, all that kind of stuff. And, and particularly for the classic first-person shooters, it kind of set the theme of going around and finding keys to open doors and that kind of stuff. Uh, unfortunately, I don't feel like this game holds up well very much at all. It's extremely repetitive. There are a very limited amount, uh, a very limited variety of bad guys. There's basically just like a few different types of soldiers. And then there's dogs, and that's basically it. Um, also, there's only three weapons. Or at least there's only really? three there's, there's only three guns. There's like three guns and a knife or something like that. Man, um, I didn't remember that. Yeah, all it is is a pistol, and then like a machine gun, and then a minigun. Oh, man. Yeah, and then most of the time... So, there's also really not much ammo at all throughout the game. Or, I, I, I okay, I didn't play the whole game. I played, like, the first, uh, I don't know, seven or eight levels. Um, ammo was pretty scarce. So even really? Yeah, so it sucks because even when I had the minigun, a lot of the times I would use the pistol or if I really needed to, like, the machine gun. Uh, just wow. to make sure I'm not wasting ammo. That's annoying. Yeah, it is kind of annoying. Also, it's the the level does the levels are designed like mazes, basically. There's so well, many, like what? Sorry, you cut out. They're they're designed like mazes, more or less. Oh, okay, okay. So it's and there's no map that you can view. So oh, it's man. really, really, really easy to get lost. I was getting lost constantly. Um, so that also sucks. It's also a pretty difficult game. Um, you 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 take a lot of damage when you get shot, more than you than you would expect. So uh, you know that's you know maybe good, maybe bad, whatever. But that just kind of adds to the frustration of trying to find your way around, make sure you're not using up too much ammo. And it's like, oh shit, I got three shot three times now. I'm dead. Got to start over. <laughs> you do when, when you die, you you start the level over with just your uh, pistol. And now, of course. You can save whenever. So typically what you would do is just load your last save. So that way you have all your guns and you don't lose as much progress, you know, as if you just started the level all the way over. So that's not, that's not that bad. Um, I will say that the, that the, that the graphics are pretty impressive for the time. You know, of course it is a, it is a first person 3d perspective game. Uh, the first one to do this as I, as I've said, so even that alone is pretty impressive, but really just, just any given screenshot knowing that this came from 1992, it's like, okay, yeah, this, this, this looks pretty passable. This, this, it doesn't look bad by any means. You can tell it's an old game, obviously, but it, it mm. doesn't have, you know, some games you look back and like, Oh, like I remember liking this at the time, but this is just painful to look at. This one really isn't. I, I feel like the graphics, uh, you know, they're, they're sure. I'm impressed looking back at them at, at how unbad they are. Uh, that's really just about it for Wolfenstein 3D. It's a little bit, it's, it's not like super fast paced either. So it's a little bit slow paced. It's a little bit hard. It's a little bit frustrating. Um, it's, it's very repetitive. So overall, I just really, unfortunately, did not have a good time playing this one. Yeah, sorry to hear that. So keeping on with the Romero theme, I was like, all right, well, time to go on to Doom. So I played Doom. This was uh, this also is of course a PC game. This came out in 1993. Damn. 
everybody knows what Doom is. It's the follow-up to Wolfenstein 3D. It's, it, it doesn't take place in the same universe or anything like that, but it's essentially... Like, they made Wolfenstein 3D, and then they're like, all right, how can we take this to the next level? You know, this type of game to the next level. We're going to create Doom. So with Doom, as everybody probably knows, it's another first-person shooter. But this time, instead of going around killing Nazis in a Nazi base, you are uh, on... Well, you're in various different places throughout the campaign. But essentially, you're fighting demons. You start off on a... uh, I believe you're, you're, like, on a Mars base fighting demons and the the story is that like somehow a portal to hell got opened up by accident and all these demons are are coming through and you're going to kick their asses of course you are <laughs> right so you know i i will say this i don't particularly love first person shooters anymore in general so that also accounts for me not really caring for wolfenstein 3d all that much uh, mm-hmm. even, even though I really, truly don't believe it holds up very well. I, I, the, another knock that it has against it, as far as me playing is, I just don't love first person shooters. So I was like, all right, I'm going to check out doom. Uh, I'll get probably a few levels in and we'll you know, I'll, I'll, I'll try to give it the benefit of the doubt. I'll try to sure. appreciate it for what it is. I had tons of fun playing this game. No shit. <laughs> no shit. Yeah, it was I was not expecting to have half as much fun as I did. I played through the whole damn game. Um, My God. I'm assuming ammo is an issue this one? Ammo, uh, well, we'll get there. No, not really. Um, but I will talk about that. Um, it is so much better. It's faster paced. The environments are cooler. They're more interesting. The uh, the enemies are more interesting. There's a greater variety of enemies. There's a greater variety of scenery. There's a greater variety of weapons. Um, there, the level design, there's, there's also Z levels. So, you know, you might like walk upstairs or like, you know, down a ledge or, or things like that. Whereas in Wolfenstein, everything is just on one plane. And you know, that's, that's due primarily to technical limitations. Limitations. Yeah. Yeah. But in this one, they, they didn't have that. They, they, they figured out, you know, how they can make that happen. So, and, and also another cool thing is it's not all just 90 degree angle turns here and there. It's like, oh, this room, there's a big, like it, this room is a giant circle. And then this one like goes off at an angle. And this one, you know, again, goes upstairs and maybe like curves around and this kind of stuff. So you have all so they sorts really of, went off with it. Oh, they really went off with it. All the, the, the architecture is just crazy. There's, there's, there's like lava pits that you can kind of like, you know, run through and take damage, but you know, they're traversable. There's like, there's acid areas where it's kind of the same thing. You can, you can take damage and walk through them, sure. but you don't, you know, unless you have to, you don't want to. There's uh there's little like kind of like elevated platforms that you stand on. They'll like raise you up to, to go through different areas and that kind of stuff. Um, and, and there's also a map in this one, which is a godsend after playing Wolfenstein 3D. They so, and, and especially considering how all out they went with the level design, making things like really crazy and interesting Ooh. and fun. If I feel like it would have been really, uh, I feel like it would have taken a lot away if you didn't have a map because, you know, it probably you, been unplayable it, with the Z axis involved. Yeah, I don't know. It would have been pretty tough. Um, and also, and another good thing about the map is it doesn't show you and this is kind of what you would expect, but it doesn't show you the places that you haven't been yet. Oh, okay. So Makes sense. if you're kind of lost and figuring out where do I go next, then you pull up the map and kind of see like where like the lines yeah. kind of stop and you never finished exploring. So you can go back over. Oh, so let me go back and see what's in this area. 
There's also like little teleporters, which will like you kind of walk onto them and they like teleport you to a different part of the map. And that's a big part of some of the level design on some levels. Um, overall, also the, the and again, as you would expect, the, the graphics are much better than Wolfenstein 3D. Um, there are, and you know, another part of it is also like, it's cooler to kill demons than it is just to kill like Nazi soldiers, you know? Nazi soldiers are just humans walking around shooting <laughs> guns at you. In this game, they've got demons throwing fireballs at you. They have like possessed uh, former like space marines that are shooting shotguns at you. They have these big giant flying like heads essentially that shoot. Oh like, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, they got lots. They got. They, there's not a ton of different types of of uh of bad guys, but there's a good variety of them. Uh, also, the guns. It has much cooler guns. <laughs> so, uh, it's got the, um, uh, I believe the pistol is the basic one. I, I use it so little that I don't even remember, but I'm pretty sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's a pistol that you start off with. Then you get a shotgun. Then you yeah. get a, uh, mini gun. Um, you can have, and also you have your, your fist, of course, for if you weren't run out of ammo, but later on you can also get a, uh, a chainsaw when you run out of ammo. So <laughs> you can use that instead of your fist. Oh, another enemy is this demon. That's like, it's like a bulked up it like it kind of reminds me of a of a bull except it runs on two it stands on two legs and they just like they just like rush you down and then do melee damage to you so that was another cool one um so this one has the it's got the pistol it's got the shotgun which does a lot of damage it's got the uh the minigun which you know obviously you just hold it down and just spray everything that's in your path and then it's got cooler weapons than just regular guns it's got a fucking rocket launcher which it of course, nowadays is something that we take for granted in a first-person shooter. Of course. But playing this after playing Wolfenstein 3D is like, oh, thankfully, something something new that doesn't just shoot bullets, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, it's got the the plasma rifle, which shoots, like, plasma blobs. <laughs> like, kind of like, plasma kind of, like, balls of light at people. And, uh, and of course, it has the uh, the BFG 9000, which is oh, everybody's yeah, favorite right. game. <laughs> The BFG 9000 does a shitload of damage, but it, it it uses the um it uses it uses the same ammo that the that the plasma rifle uses, but one <laughs> shot uses like 40 bullets, 40 plasma <laughs> bullets. Um but it's super powerful. In fact, it, it it's it's so powerful. So the way the game works is also as far as like your lives go uh, and 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 losing and dying and coming back is the same as Wolfenstein 3D where if you die in a level then you come back at the beginning of the level, and, uh, and but, but you lost all your guns. So I don't know if they necessarily expected people to just reload their saves all the time, like mm-hmm. anybody playing it now would do, which is which is also how I did it. But you know, as long as you do that, you're not going to lose any of the guns you got. So with that in mind, knowing that you have once you find the BFG nine thousand, which usually it's in a hidden area, um, once you get it, like. You don't, you're not going to use it very much because it uses up so much ammo and the plasma rifle ammo isn't that common in the first place. But if you just save it for like the huge ass bad guys that you come across, then it's almost like overpowered. I beat the final boss of the game in like seven hits with it or something really? like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it is really fucking strong. Uh, stronger than you would probably even expect. Um, but, but I also, but, but at the same time, I kind of like that. I kind of like that. They're just like, yeah, here's, here's a fucking amazing weapon. Just have fun with it. Uh, 
My my only complaint, um, really, probably just about in the entire game, is you were asking about the ammo. The ammo is not necessarily scarce. However, it's mostly shotgun ammo that you that you find. So I found myself trying to conserve all other types of ammo and using the shotgun whenever possible. I would have liked to uh, feel like I had more leeway to kind of use whatever gun was just most fun, you know? And I get that they did that so you're not just using the super powerful weapons yeah. all the time. But, uh, but, but I still felt like I was stuck to the shotgun like 85% of the time. Hmm. Um, and the shotgun itself is still pretty powerful. So that's not, that's not necessarily a bad thing. But uh, I would I would have liked to have a little bit more leeway to use some of the other weapons a little bit more, just because the other ones are so cool. Um, what else? What else? Uh, okay, so <laughs> I played this game, and then uh, so so I played the version called the Ultimate Doom, which is the so the original Doom is three. It's they they split the game into three episodes. I mean they're all released in the same package. But the way they split it up, it's the way, the way the campaign goes is three quote episodes, each of which are like eight or nine levels. Uh, so I played the ultimate doom, which was a re-release that they came out with two years later in 1995. And it was essentially the same game, but with a fourth episode. So I played all four of the episodes and the fourth episode is fucking nuts. It is twice as hard as any of as any other level in any of the other episodes the very first level you start off on there is a there's an enemy spawner that never stops until you find a switch to turn it off (laughs) holy shit (laughs) so and even once you do find it off then like that's not even the hardest part of the level it it is really fucking tough until you kind of start to get a hang for like the 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 way that they've ramped up the difficulty uh, there are some levels where you just start off and you're like, there's instantly bad guys around you. Oh my God. So uh, they, they, that was really, at first I was like, damn, this is too much. But then like, once you play it for a little bit and then start to get the hang of it, you're like, okay, okay, I'm, I'm done with this. I, I can, I can do it. I can do this. This is, this is fun <laughs> now. This, this is like a new challenge. Um, And, and I know I mentioned this already, but I want to reiterate that. I think in addition to all the the cool things that I've said about it, it's much faster paced than Wolfenstein 3D. And that adds a whole lot because you'll be kind of, sometimes there will be a room of like 15 fucking demons. Whereas in Wolfenstein, you know, the most you can counter in a room is like five maybe. And so what you'll do is you're like running, maybe like you're out of ammo and you just want to try to run through as fast as you fucking can. Or like you want, most of the time you do have plenty of ammo. So what you'll do is you'll kind of strafe back and forth and like peek around a corner, fire a couple shots, go back. Maybe like aim at aim right at the hallway or the doorway or something, just in case one of them happens to walk up to you. Straight back in, fire a couple shots and go back. Just just everything about the pacing of the game and like the magnitude of everything that they that they put in it is 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 so much so much better than Wolfenstein 3D. It is really 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 just tons of fun. Uh, it really makes me want to play Doom 2 now as well. And I, I don't think I'll probably play it soon because there's some other stuff that I want to play. But I uh, mm-hmm. I like this so much that I'm like, damn, I really got to play Doom 2 now and see like what they did to improve on this. So this was awesome. Also, one final thing I had to point out, which is kind of hilarious. Every time you beat uh, one of the one of the four episodes... At the very end, it gives you like a like a little epilogue and it gives you like a couple paragraphs just like telling you like what happens now. 
At the end of episode two, the epilogue was particularly hilarious. So I wrote it down. I copied it down and I'm going to read it here. It says, so once you beat episode two, it says, uh, you've done it. So, so in episode two, you are on essentially a moon that's like hovering over hell. Okay. It says, you've done it. The hideous cyber demon Lord that ruled the lost Dimos moon base has been, has been slain and you are triumphant, but dot, dot, dot. Where are you? You clambered to the edge of the moon and looked down to see the awful truth. Dimos floats above hell itself. You've oh never heard God. of... <laughs> so first of all, you're you're crawling somehow to the... Somehow the moon has an edge that you're crawling over to and looking over. Uh, Dimos floats above hell itself. You've never heard of anyone escaping from hell, but you'll make the bastards sorry they ever heard of you. Quickly... You repel down to the surface of hell. <laughs> oh my gosh. So not only do you somehow look over the edge of this moon, but then you repel from a moon down to hell to go kill all the demons that are in hell. And then it says, now it's on to the final chapter of Doom Inferno. That's this crazy. It is crazy. This was a fucking fun game. I highly recommend anybody who hasn't played it in a while. If you like, even if you don't like first person shooters, go back and give doom a shot. It is so much fun. All right, Jay, I've got one more. Are you good? Uh, this one doesn't hold up to doom, unfortunately, <laughs> but it, it's, it's pretty amusing. Nonetheless, are you ready for this? Yes, sir. This is an Atari game that came out in 1982. Beat em and eat em. Okay. This is a porn game. Oh. Made by, I believe the same, I know it's the same publisher. Uh, I believe it's probably the same developers that made such classics as uh, Custer's Revenge. <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, I've got the uh, the package right here, as well as the manual and stuff. Um, the, the cover has a woman very seductively licking a ice cream cone. All right. I'm on board. Um, I'm just going to read a couple things from the, uh, from the instruction manual here. You ready? Okay. Uh, this is from the, so the very first section, so the manual is just like a very small little, almost like a pamphlet that just has some paragraphs of text. The first one starts off with the header foreplay. Beat 'em and Eat 'em is an adult electronic video game based upon an ancient ritual that has been passed down from generation to generation as part of the culture's oral tradition. The object of the game is to eat 'em every time he beats 'em. Oh my god. You sc- <laughs> you score 1 point for each and every drop you swallow without a miss. Oh my god. But should you miss, shame on you. You lose one turn. After all, it could have been a famous doctor or lawyer. Oh my god. Now I'm going to stop right there cuz I don't actually know what that means. Are they I think I think they're implying that you want to do a good job in order to ensure that you are able to like capture or keep somebody. That's what I get. Um 
when it says it could have been a famous doctor or lawyer so okay let, let's let's oh i see what you're saying i think let's back up a little bit the game is and i and for anybody who doesn't want to listen to this type of stuff i i can't discuss this game without getting i'm going to keep it reasonable but you yeah you can't discuss the game without getting slightly explicit here. So maybe oh, skip ahead five minutes if you uh, if you don't want, care to hear about this. But the game is there's a dude standing on top of a building. You control a naked lady standing on the ground at the bottom of the screen. Oh, Christ. And the dude's walking back and forth just jizzing everywhere. Oh, my God. Are you serious? Yes. And you have to catch it. Yeah. So, oh, my God. I think what they're implying with that comment is... I don't know. You know what? Never mind. I'm kind of the same way because it could mean, as far as I can tell, there are two things that it could mean. Are they saying that the that the dude on top of the building yes. could have been a famous doctor or lawyer and you're going to like insult him? Yes, that was one of the two things that I thought as well. <laughs> or the they don't... Is, okay, go ahead, go ahead, the other one it. is they don't understand how reproduction works. Yes, that was, that's why I was like going back and forth. Yes, that's exactly my thought as well. Okay. I was like, wait, what? Okay. Right, right we're on the same page. We're on the same page, exactly. Um, all right, so moving on. Uh, a couple more uh, choice quotes from the manual. You earn bonus turns for every 69 points you score. Like, of course. Why not? Using your paddle control as opposed to your self-control, you too must take matters in hand and quickly maneuver our lady-in-waiting to where she can catch the falling objects one by one. Falling objects. You'll hear a computer slurp with each catch. Make it stop. Incidentally, you'll know it when you miss because you'll hear the splat and see it too. You lose your turn, and and the female computer image lets loose with the world's first breaking of a computer wind. say to me <laughs> wait what basically they're saying and this is not something that i ever n- noticed playing it but basically they're saying uh once you so so when you're playing the game if you, as soon as you missed one that then you lose and you then you lose a life and you gotta start over on that like uh, level uh-huh, uh-huh. i think what they're saying is when you lose like a life like that then she farts yeah i got that but okay even if i understand that <laughs> what <laughs> Okay. So let smile be your umbrella. See, this is another quote. Sing in the rain. Let raindrops fall on your face and have a great time playing beat and eat rain. Let's stop right there. Let <laughs> raindrops fall on your face, my friend. What the fuck did you just say to me? Um, you know how to pick them, my friend. Oh, I know. Um, the game is obviously extremely simplistic. Even more, even for an Atari game, it's extremely simplistic. <laughs> it's literally just these little, like, three-pixel lines falling straight down, and you are just scrolling back and forth on the bottom trying to catch them uh, before... Make sure you get them before they hit the ground. Also, when, when you start a level, it does the Pac-Man dying noise. At the beginning no of each way. level, yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't know why, but that's the, that's the exact noise that it does. Um, 
Also, whenever you finish a level, <laughs> your girl stops and she licks her lips before the next level uh, starts. Of course she does. Why wouldn't she? <laughs> but the best right. thing of all, holy shit, the best thing of all is the <laughs> is the guy's jack-off animation. Send me a picture. Oh, Jesus. Send me a picture. I'll, I'll find you one in a second. Actually, I had pulled it up a second ago, but I lost it. Um, uh, <laughs> here, here, here it is. So I'll describe it for our listeners before I show it to you. He is. It. I swear it looks like he's. And I guess this must be the case. The guy's. So he, he's standing on the edge of the, on top of this building. And like, he's got a, and like his dick is hanging over the edge. And he's holding what appears to be his balls and jerking the balls up and down. Uh, so they really don't know how sex works. Then. They don't know how any of it works. He's like nobody had to talk with them. Slamming his balls up and down like he's holding a jackhammer. Oh. And then he's and what's what's even what what is the like the cherry on top is the dude's face. Every frame alternates back and forth between a smile and a frown. <laughs> Classic. Here, hold on. I found it. Uh, where are you? Here we go. Oh, Jesus. You weren't kidding how bad the graphics are. <laughs> oh, my. What? Oh, what? He looks like he's holding a minigun. Does you know what I mean? mean? He's holding his balls, right? Yeah, but is that balls? I like the boobs. Pull up the, the full screen version. Are you watching? The I, am, I am. I am. Okay. Okay. Yeah, it really does look like he's just using his balls like a minigun. <laughs> that is really odd to see. <laughs> and look at his face. Yeah. What the hell? It's like, what? I hope I don't look like that when I jerk off. <laughs> He's like going from a frown to a smile back and forth. Back and forth, like frame by frame. And, if, 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 yeah, I was to say frame by frame. It's so fast. <laughs> I'm uncomfortable. So uh, this is a winner for sure. Uh, one thing I will say, I was actually kind of impressed by the packaging. They, uh, the box, so it's in like a, a fairly normal, uh, Atari box, but then inside it's got like a, like a faux leather, like little book. It's like, it's plastic, but it's kind of like it's made to where it sort of looks and like kind of sort of looks like leather and kind of sort of feels leatherish. And, uh, it's like a book type thing and you open it up and it's got the, uh, the instruction book on one side and the game on the other. So like, they really did a pretty good job with the packaging, but, uh, yeah, that's, um, that's that's a uh, beat him and eat him. Eat him and eat him. God damn it! I like Doom better. I do too. I haven't even played it. <laughs> All right, should we move on? I think so. I I felt I I heard some hesitation there. I think you want to talk about beat him and eat him a little. No. All right, we'll move on then. Uh, top fives. Our top five. For this episode is best titles of games. Um, Jay, just before the episode started, said what? And he thought it was the worst titles of games. Literally the opposite. Yeah. Which, uh, I'll be honest with you, I had a lot more fun doing the worst titles than I did doing the best titles. We'll do that next time. Uh, but uh, but you've got a list now, I believe, right? More or less. Wait, you cut out. Say it again. Maybe not. I said, but you, but you have a list now, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's go. Uh, I'll go first since I made you go first on the games. Okay. 
my number five pick is Day of the Tentacle. Uh, nothing like extremely like mind blowing about this title, but uh, I just love kind of it's it's it fits the it fits the game really well, and it's got this nice kind of quirky sla- like yeah. sort of ominous but mostly kind of funny and quirky game. It's like you can play their sort of uh, you can tell they're like playing off of like horror game or like horror titles of like movies or books or games or whatever it might be. It's like day of the, and then you expect this, like you expect it to be like day of the, like, I don't know, fucking demon or something like that. You know, something like yeah. something like very uh, foreboding, but then it's just tentacle day of the tentacle. And that's kind of, uh, it's very intriguing. Yeah. It's intriguing and it's sort of funny. And it's like, like almost it's like the title itself is sort of a, uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Like a, um, like it kind of leaves you hanging. It's like day of the, oh, the, day yeah. of the tentacle. Okay, fine. That's, that's cool. <laughs> Whatever. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's what I've got for number five. My number five, similar, uh, reasoning is half-life half-life as a huh. child. The first time I heard the, the title half, cause I didn't know what the term half-life meant, like in a scientific oh, right. aspect. And it was such an intriguing title because it was just like, oh, it's kind of interesting. Like, I had no idea what to expect. It's like, oh, it's a shooting game. It's like, oh, okay. Completely. And then when you learn what the term Half-Life actually means, it's like, oh, it, it actually, you know, the title really does represent in a sense of, of what the game is kind of about. Um, it was always just kind of grabbed my, my um, I, I think it's a really good title. Like, it's one that draws you in. Yeah, I think that's a good point. Uh, by the way, anticlimactic was was the word that I was trying to think of. It's like hmm. within f- they they somehow make four words create an anticlimax because that's interesting. It builds up to something that is just tentacle. Uh, okay, my number four is my number four is Metroid. Ooh, um, because Metroid is a is first of all it sound it just kind of sounds cool. Yeah. Second of all, sounds sci-fi. Yeah, it sounds sci-fi, and that's kind of part of my other point here is that it's a made-up word, but it also somehow conveys perfectly what the game is, right? It's like they. Yeah. Oh yeah, I agree. They 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 made up this. It's it's entirely made up, but when you see the word Metroid, it you automatically kind of your your mind starts going directly in the direction of what type of game this is. So I, I, it's almost sort of of a genius title, I, I think, in that way. Yeah, and and now because of how of its popularity, like everybody knows what that is, you know. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, my number four is Katamari Damacy. <laughs> this is is another one. What I love about this, so the first time I heard this title, I was like, "What the hell?" Like normally when you hear the title of a game, you kind of have an idea of what the game is, and this <laughs> yeah. one is like. You have no idea what you're yeah, getting into. Yeah. And then you start playing the game and you see the first cutscene and you're just completely blown away. But for them to be able to take their title and turn it into a song just makes the title to me <laughs> that much better. Like it's just such a That's such true. a strong title. Is um is there a tra- does that tra- do we know what that translates to? Oh, here oh, we go. I just question. pulled it up. Oh, Trans- Katamari uh, Damashi tra- uh, literally clump spirit <laughs> are you serious it's just that simple clump spirit uh which of course makes sense if you're familiar with the game but uh yeah that's that's a really good point and also i love and something i didn't really think about until just now i love the the fact that they didn't even try making an english translation for the game they're just like yeah. you know what this is a this is a crazy fucking japanese game we're not even gonna 
we're not even going to translate the title. You just get a Japanese title because this is because the game is so. And Japanese. we're going to make a song out of it. <laughs> and we're going to make a song out of it. That's a good one. All right, my number three one is halfway cheating because it's a uh, it's the, the the title is from a uh, I believe it's a short story that the game is based off of. So it's not strictly just a game title. They took it from another. They took it from the story that their game is based off of. But still, it is such a cool title to me. Uh, I have no mouth and I must scream. Oh, yeah. I don't even. That's a good one. Yeah. You don't even have to say anything about it. That just that is just a good sound. It's so cryptic and cool. Like it's so cryptic and cool. And another thing is you don't often have titles that are a full sentence. Yeah. And with with such limited words, too. You know, it's not. It's not it's not as many words as you would think it would take to convey a message like that. Right, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's a good one. I think it's a good I I like it a lot. Um uh, my number three is Earthbound. I love Oh, I love, thought about I, using that one. Oh man. It's such a good title because you know it's it's obviously referencing something being coming to Earth, which is exactly what the game is about. But it's just so sweet, and it, it it's just such a perfect title. It's it's yeah. Sweet, you're like you're like what's what's, what's Earthbound? What, what's, what's exactly? Yeah, and what's funny? Growing up for the longest time, uh, my family didn't know Ness's name, so they just called Ness Earthbound, and so <laughs> it just makes it even better for me. <laughs> yeah, the classic. That's awesome. That's better than like. Zelda or or Metroid. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, especially since most people called Link Zelda for the longest time. Yeah, too, yeah. Right? This this kicks that out of that the water. A meme. Earth. <laughs> it's hilarious. I've never heard of. I've never heard anybody oh, calling him Earth. You play Earthbound in, in uh, Super Smash Brothers. <laughs> Classic. Holy shit! That's awesome. Okay, uh, that's a really good one. My number two is Donkey Kong. <laughs> It's just such a. <laughs> this could also it. this could also be like the worst also, but it's so it's so bad that it's good to me because like, like what the fuck what the fuck Donkey Donkey Kong like how do you get that I I, I understand the history of the name and and how we got here but what it's like if you just take it for what it is it's like what the fuck Donkey Kong okay. All it right. sounds normal to us now, but yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it sounds normal now because it's because we're we're, we're so used to it. Uh, but and but and I would I will say though, like along aside from it being absolutely ridiculous, it does have a really nice ring to it, right? Yeah, like Donkey Kong. It just kind of sounds good. So th- that plus its absolute ridiculousness and hilariousness that that, that that's a, that's a winner for me. I like it. Um, what was your number three, four, five? Uh, four, okay, five? F- five was Day of the Tentacle, four okay. was Metroid, and three was I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. Gotcha. Um, my number two is Beautiful Joe. Um, ah, this okay. this is a good one for me. So I I, I did uh, I loved this title when it came out because I didn't know it was beautiful. I thought it was beautiful, and I was like, okay, well, <laughs> you thought it was just beautiful, beautiful Joe? Yeah. And what, what's so great about so? <laughs> You hear this title, and then you're like, oh, it's actually beautiful. And you're like, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. And then you play the game, and you're like, yeah, that title literally encompasses this entire game yeah, in a nutshell. Yeah, yeah. Like, this game, this is a fun game. It's kind of cartoony. It makes fun of itself, and the main character's kind of a jackass. It's like, yeah, that's literally perfect. Like, I could not think of a better title. Like, well, also, just... also the game, like, really looks good, too. So it's, yeah. like, kind of a play on words. Like, it's a nice game that's to true, view. Actually. It's a beautiful game. It's good to look at. It's good to view. Uh, 
So yeah, I think that's part of it too. Yeah, that's a good point. I didn't think about that. Yeah. All right, number one, best title of any game ever. No, oh, don't, don't put your foot pressure on me now. Now I'm questioning myself. Are you ready for this? Jackass. Uh-huh. Beat him and eat him. Oh, you're such a jackass. That's the worst. That should be on your worst list. Get out. Best title of any game ever, dude. Beat him and eat him. How do you catch oh, okay, me? Okay, now I don't that? feel bad. Now I don't feel bad about mine. Okay, good. Thanks. She did have a mouth and didn't scream. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> Sorry, I'm sorry. Is it, are you good? Is there anything else? No, I have nothing else to say. It speaks okay. for itself. So originally, I'm just going to say it now. My original number one was Star Fox 64. You know, Star Fox specifically, because it's just, okay. it, again, it's short, it's sweet, it tells you exactly what it is. But then I switched to Jet Set Radio. And the oh, reason that's is, a good like, one. Yeah, because it's like, if anybody has to play Jet Set Radio, it is a very music-themed game where you are rollerblading and you also spray paint. And when you hear Jet Set Radio, you're like, the hell am I going to play? Like, this is another one of those ones where you're like, I don't know what I'm going to get into. But then when you start playing it, you're like, that is a perfect, perfect title for this game. And again, similar to, um, similar to, which one was it? Katamari. They use the title of the game to create a song or there's a song that references the the title of the game uh which is just so funny it's again it's just kind of identifying itself or making fun of itself but at the same time it works really well and because it is you know there's a lot of music in this game it works really really well i think that's a good one i like it it is is not that would have been like a number eight but you know (laughs) i hate you so much You can't argue with beat him and eat him, right? I mean... Oh, my God. Let's move on. How about... <laughs> Next time, our top five is going to be worst titles of games. So if you want to uh, send us your worst... Well, I'm already games, done. <laughs> uh, mail at ClassicGamingPodcast.com if you want to send us yours. Speaking of mail at ClassicGamingPodcast.com, we got some emails to that address for this episode. Let's go. Emails for actually, first off, we got a couple tweets at us that I thought were like kind of like miniature emails worth worth stating on here so uh one of them is from at les play games uh says class games cast i just listened to episode 39 and you guys and you guys talking about the final fantasy 7 remake and how the release date was quote late 2017 at that time are you guys still excited I'm a little nervous. I'm actually getting I'm, pretty nervous about that. You I'm brought it, I think nervous. it was you that brought it last time, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, like after you brought it up, I was like, he's right. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> like don't... He's so right. I don't know if I'm too hyped about this right now, or if I'm too optimistic. I'm actually really concerned about it, because me, me personally, I, I, I know that they can't make it turn-based, but I love yeah. turn-based Same games here. like that. yeah. Okay, okay. And I'm really tilted because they're going to make it, you know, non-turn based for for a wider audience, which I completely understand. But that was already like a oh, shit, so the combat's going to be action based and then it gets delayed a bunch. I'm like, "Oh, I'm getting really nervous." Like, I was only semi excited to begin with, but now I'm like, 
it's been a while. <laughs> I feel like at this point, like, I, you know, I could be totally wrong, but the way it seems is that this is basically just going to be Final Fantasy 16 with characters named after Final Fantasy 7 characters, you know? And I can see that. It doesn't feel like there's going to be much resembling Final Fantasy Did you mean 7. F- 15, the one with the car and stuff? No, no, I'm saying, like, they're essentially going to make the next Final oh, Fantasy. Oh, I see, game. I see, I see, I see what you're saying. That's my suspicion. I mean, I that's based on you very little. Could of be course, right, actually. But I just am very skeptical that this is going to be true to Final Fantasy VII in many ways, besides just superficial ways. You know. What's funny is I actually have been thinking about playing Final Fantasy VII again recently. I've, I was almost nice. played it for this episode. Oh wow! Yeah, I've been I've been really itching to do it, and I'm like trying to hold off, but uh, we'll see. It may happen here. I, I play through it probably once, at least once a year. Oh, do you really? Oh yeah, there's there's a handful of games that I play through like once a year. I just I just get an itch and it's like it won't go away. Like uh-huh. I have to play. You have games like that or no? Uh, you know, not really. There are some that I'm like, you know what? I need you. I have. It's been a long time to play that. I really hope I get a chance to play that soon. But yeah, no, I don't really have any that I replay every year. There are some that I do play like very frequently, like game, like, but mostly not. Like like for instance, Brogue. I return to that a lot, um, but gotcha. I've never but I've never beaten it. And it's not like a game that you just like play for a certain amount of time. Yeah, I can understand that. But yeah, no, I'm talking about pretty linear games. Yeah, like, n- linear, yeah, no, I don't really have I don't I don't have any that I that I play frequently over and over. For again. me, it's like specific RTSs, Final Fantasy Tactics, Final Fantasy X, Final Fantasy VII, uh, Chocobo Dungeons, one that I play quite a bit. Um, Populous, which again is an RTS, but or, yeah, RTS, but. Um, I probably play that once a year. Yeah, even like Monkey Island, which is my favorite game ever. I've I've probably only played that through like four times, and even like the some of the Metal Gear Solid games, the most I've played through any one of those is probably three, and that's probably like four times. Kind ever. of embarrassed, <laughs> Um And we did get one other tweet, kind of kind of emailish, that I thought it was worth bringing up. Uh, this is from. Uh, Alexander1986 on Twitter, ALXNDR1986. He says, uh, Class Games Cast, I'm still catching up to current episodes, but curious. With the love of Final Fantasy Tactics on the show, has anyone anyone ever played uh, Mutant Year Zero Road to Eden? I enjoyed it a lot in this. Like Y E A R? Yeah, Mutant Year Zero. This is a newer game. Uh, he says, I enjoyed it a lot, and the stealth aspect was a nice addition to the play concept. Let me Google this. I'm actually looking for something uh, newer to play right now. You might want to check this out. Uh, I have seen this game. I have not played it, um, but and I probably won't. But it does look pretty It does look pretty cool and interesting. You might like it. Oh, interesting. kind of like a uh like he says it's sort of like a tactic style game maybe a little bit closer to something like XCOM. yeah i was thinking XCOM when i'm watching this that's so funny using like mutant characters like one one person is a interesting duck. yeah i'm uh, looking at it right now and apparently there's some stealth uh aspects to it as well like he said that's a cool suggestion thank you yeah uh, if you do play it don't let us know for sure i yeah i probably won't yeah. but um i'd be interested to hear if you do Okay, uh, thank you guys. On to our, the actual emails. Let's see, we've got one here from Tex. Tex says, uh, I've been listening to Yins <laughs> for a little over a year now. Great show. Oh, thank you, Tex. 
thank you. I've meant to write in for a while, though by though by the time I usually quit, though by time I usually quit procrastinating, a new show is already out. So <laughs> assuming that I made the deadline, glad to finally write in. I wanted to write in a vote for the game of the quarter two shows ago for Daikatana. I was glad to see it won without my help. <laughs> After playing the first few levels on N64, I didn't even remember that there was an N64 version of this. After playing the first few levels on N64, I'm not so sure how happy I am about that victory, though we'll see how it plays out. Now, uh, with regards to the topic at hand, here are five titles that I think have a nice ring to them. Uh, number one, he says, so he's got them listed one through five. I'll just, I'll just read them in that order. Number one, Castlevania Order of Ecclesia. Castlevania is a cool enough name on its own. That's actually one that I, that I thought about. Yeah, same. And Order of Ecclesia is a little less cheesy slash emo than a lot of the other entries for the series on the DS and the GBA. That's a good point, actually. <laughs> like Aria of Sorrow. A lot of those are pretty emo. Uh, I liked this game the most out of the DS games. It was a little more challenging than the others and didn't have too many gimmicky touchscreen functions shoehorned into it. Number two, Cotton Fantastic Night Dreams. I've what? not heard of this. I don't think there's a better combination of words which one could jam together for the title of a game that features fairies and bikinis. Looking this up. Oh, of course you are. All right, so this 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 is this was a TurboGrafx game or TurboGrafx CD? What the hell? Okay, I'm just going to read this uh, the Wikipedia entry here to to give our listeners a, a quick idea of what this is cotton fantastic dreams fantastic night dreams is a scrolling shooter arcade game developed by success and published by sega on sega's sega system sega system 16 bit arcade system board what the fuck save that five times fast or six times fast (laughs) published by sega on sega's sega system 16 bit arcade six system board in 1991 as is the first entry in the cotton series it was ported to both the Sharp X68000 and NEC TurboGrafx CD, also known as the PC Engine. I'm vaguely familiar with the TurboGrafx CD. Holy fuck. Uh, the TurboGrafx CD version was released on CD-ROM, okay, and features an enhanced Redbook audio soundtrack and voice acting on the Japanese release. The game was later ported to the PlayStation under the title Super Light 1500 Series Dash Fantastic Night Dreams Dash Cotton Original. <laughs> what the fuck? Christ. <laughs> the ga- the titles... Okay, this game... He wins, I think, with this. <laughs> he should have used that version as his entry. Super Light 1500 Series Fantastic Night Dreams Cotton Original. A downgraded version was released for the Neo Geo Pocket Color. This game came out on only the most obscure systems ever, except for the PlayStation. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he says, um, it, so blah, 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 a game that features fairies and bikinis. You'd never guess from the title that this game is a solid shoot 'em up The game alone makes the, in- what? makes the investment that is a turbo CD actually worth it. I don't even miss my left kidney. Wow. That's I, insane. That is insane. Number three, uh, Zezix, spelled all caps X-E-X-Y-Z. I'm sorry, I guess it would be Zexes. 
Yeah. Uh, he says, I'm not sure if this word is legal in Scrabble, though if it is, this would be the five-letter word score champ 31 points. <laughs> it's also fun to hear the different ways people try to pronounce it. I, always, I was thinking G. That's funny. I was thinking something completely different. He says, I always just spelled it out. That's probably the safest way to go, honestly, with this one. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to say Zex's. Number four, Shatterhand. <laughs> Never played, know almost nothing about it other than it has a cool title that only the early 90s could have produced. <laughs> Number five, okay, and this is, a, this is a modern game that he's listening. The Binding of Isaac Afterbirth Plus. <laughs> I've always thought that games that keep releasing new updated versions of the previous games and tacking onto the title were just hilarious. It reminds me of old sci-fi sequels. I almost picked a Street Fighter title for this spot. Holy shit, that, yeah, that definitely fits that. But the use of the word afterbirth as a double entendre is just too good. Uh, yeah, the, the, what he means there is the original um, Binding of Isaac was Binding of Isaac Rebirth. And then the sequel was Binding of Isaac Afterbirth. So that's that's where it, that's where the kind of play on words uh, exists there. He says, and there you have it. It's been fun. Now I'm off to be John Romero's bitch while I wait for the next <laughs> podcast. Until next time, Tex. Awesome. Thank you for reaching out. That was yeah. awesome. Yeah, thank you very much. <laughs> All right, Jay, I got one for you. Sure. Send me the link when you can. Will do. I need to pull up uh, Google Docs. <clears throat> this one is from Father Beast. Oh, nice. <clears throat> oh, I have the Google Doc page already because okay. I ah. just scrolled over the notes. Okay, I just pasted it on that one. Okay. You ready? Uh, I'm ready. Okay. Hello, Classic Gaming Podcast. Father Beats here. It took me a while to come up with a list of platformers since it is my favorite thing. On reflection, it seems I have played and enjoyed a number of these. Also, I don't quite remember what the qualifying adjective uh, was on this category. Foundational, archetypical, essential, whatever. I'm just going to giving a list of platforming games that seem pretty awesome to me. And I'll be going farther back in time as we go just to organize them. So this is from our, uh, from our uh, previous top five. That he's contributing. Yeah. Okay. Top five something-ish platformers. Number five, Jill of the Jungle. This was surprisingly fun and entertaining bit of shareware. Two things put this above the crowd. One was that the Jill figure was fairly large, which made it easier to control or so it felt. Uh, the other was that her main weapon was this Xena-ish, before Xena, if I recall, spinning blade thing, which gave you a great range and essentially infinite, and was essentially infinite since it, it always returned to your hand. I played the shareware first chapter and also the two sequels, Jill Goes Underground and Jill Saves the Prince. Oh my God, those titles. Uh, <laughs> number four. Oh, oh, Keen... real, real quick, um, anybody who might be interested in that, actually, uh, Gog just released this on their platform like, a month ago and it's and it's free so if you just go to gog oh, cool. and type in jill of the jungle you can get the whole trilogy for free number four commander keen in goodbye galaxy another piece of shareware and yes i'm talking about the fourth episode this one hit the ideal mix without the weird controls of the first one or the excessive difficulty of the later ones with the overmap allowing me to choose the next level and all these inter interesting exploring mechanics i think i actually played this all the way through Number three, Fairy Godmom. Yep, more shareware. <laughs> Godmom. Uh, this one expanded on the gameplay of Loadrunner coming in, coming later in the list and put its own stamp on it. 
The gimmick was your magic wand. You would push one button to scan an object into your wand and another button to transform something into whatever you have scanned into your wand for a few seconds. This allowed for all sorts of creative solutions. You could transform the chasing monster into a ladder, letting you pass by it safely. You could move ladders by turning them into coins, picking them up and moving them to a new location. Also, if two things occupied the same space when a thing reverted to its original form, there would be an implosion which would wipe out a whole patch of the map. This would happen when you turn a brick into a ladder and a monster is crossing it when it reverts. You can also commit suicide by turning a brick into a coin and picking it up. When it reverts, you implode and die. The fuck? I never finished this one, but it was great fun. That's a really interesting concept. Yeah, it is. Uh, number two, Load Runner. I actually played this back on the Commodore 64. It looks like a standard platformer with platforms, ladders, and a bunch of guys chasing you. You can't jump, but you can dig holes in the platform, which will fill itself fill itself after a moment. The guys chasing you will fall in the holes, and if you time it right, they will be there when it fills up, fills in and die, and then immediately reappear at the top of the screen. If you dig a hole in a platform that is one layer thick, you can jump in your own hole and drop to the lower levels. She said. Each level. Each level is like a puzzle, and you and it could be hectic trying to solve. Uh, the puzzle while trying not to be killed by the bad guys. After having a PC for a while, I did a search for this and found something called Load Runner Online, but it wasn't as fun to play without the Atari joystick you could plug into the Commodore. Have you ever played Load Runner? No. I actually haven't either. I'm sad to say. I've heard of it, but yeah, no, I haven't played it. Yeah, I'm familiar uh, with nope. it. I know it's very pretty famous game. I just somehow have never played it. Yeah. Uh, number one, Below the Root. I will be astonished if you guys have ever heard of this game. This game, this goes back to the early days of the Commodore 64. This was actually meant to be an RPG, but it had platforming elements. You would go around the world of whatever it was called, which was covered with giant trees. People lived on platforms built on the branches. You could jump from platform to platform, climb ladders, and glide using this cape you could get. Some of the puzzles would require you to glide over something from several screens up, and the view would change screens multiple times while you were while you glide. The graphics were extremely primitive, basically just monochrome line drawings, but I enjoyed it. The same company also made an Alice in Wonderland game, which I also enjoyed. Okay, so there we are, but we're not done. I also have a list of titles uh, of the titles you guys are doing. As usual, you have refrained from giving any definition to the category, so it'll be interesting <laughs> to hear how people interpret this. As for myself, I'm going for the weird and unusual. Number f uh, Top five titles. Number five, Star Trek, the game show. This <laughs> what? Makes you say, what the goats? It's actually a trivia game that's pretty good. Uh, number four, the King's Quest series, with a few exceptions, Quest for the Crown, Perils of Rosella, and Mask, Mask of Attorney, and Silver Lining. These will grab my attention with their punish. Uh, uh, oh, that's, they do have good puns on these. Yeah, go on. Uh, romancing the Throne, To Air is Human. Absence, absence makes the heart go yonder. Air today, gone tomorrow, and the princessless bride. <laughs> awesome. Prin princeless bride. Princeless bride. Thank you. Uh, number three, Freddy Farkas, Frontier Pharmacist. God, oh, that's what? a good one. That's a good one. It's classic. Uh, I've never played this uh, this point and click adventure game, but with that title, it's definitely something I have my eye on. I yeah, that's too. similar to Day of the Tentacle, right? Like it just draws you, and you're like, I kind of want to try. Like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Ooh, another good one. This, this, this next one I almost had on my list as well. Number two, Zach McCracken and the Alien Mindbenders. This is an early earlier Lucas Arts game, and the earlier version of the 
Is it is it just said scum? Yeah. Okay. Scum engine has caused me to bounce off it a couple of times. But you have to get to you have to admit it sounds like a B movie title. That makes sense since the protagonist is a tabloid reporter. I'll finish it sometime, probably with the walkthrough. From our number one, I'm bringing in a guest, Jeff Green, former editor at Computer Gaming World from his column Greenspeak from the fourth annual Greenspeak Award in issue number 210 of the Computer Gaming World. Unfortunate title of the year. The title is Cluster Ball from Strategy First. <laughs> Cluster ball from strategy first. Interesting. Maybe I have issues. Maybe it's something. Maybe it's because it sounds like something a guy my age would need ointment for. All I know is there's no way I'd ask the clerk for this game, no matter how good it is. Runner-up Gorosol. Uh, oh, sorry. There's more down here. Uh, Runner-up Gorosol from Joe Wood for sounding like the ointment I need to get for my cluster ball. <laughs> I think I've gone on long enough, still making way, my way through Daikatana, Father Beast. That was a good list. Very good list, as always. Thank you very much, Father Beast. I like Father your Beast. interpretation. <laughs> Seriously, that was a good interpretation. I like it. All right. Um, this one's from Simon. All right. Simon says... That wasn't a joke. Uh, Dear esteemed uh, hosts of the Classic Gaming Podcast, it's been a while since I emailed... It has been a while... Since I emailed you and I have no excuses other than laziness. Oh, that's, that, is, that is a valid excuse. No, it's not. Get out of here with that. But if laziness isn't a valid excuse... <laughs> I did not read this ahead of time, by the way. But if laziness isn't a valid excuse, then what is? The episode's top five sounded like a cool idea, so I figured it was time to get motivated and chime in by top five oh, titles. Yeah. Games. Oh, yeah. Let's go. Number five, baseball. <laughs> At least you know what you're getting into, right? Yeah. Looking at the creativity of this title, it's obvious why the Nintendo Entertainment System revolutionized gaming in the 80s. <laughs> if not, it not only matches the name of a sport popular in both Japan and the USA, but consider this. The game's key mechanic involve bases and a ball. A very clever port, oh, oh, man. I didn't even <laughs> think about that. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> Number four. Golf. <laughs> oh no, is this what we're doing? <laughs> Another great title from the NES launch lineup. No title before or after has truly captured the, effen- the essence of a game quite like, quote, golf. There are no gimmicks or false promises here. <laughs> as soon as you see a title. Yeah, like, no promises like fighting golf. Yeah, I was going to say, right? As, as soon as you see a title like that, you just know that this game is going to be a perfect simulation of the leisure activity you know and love. Watching a gauge move from left to right and deciding when to press a button. Brilliant. Yep. Number three, Leisure Suit Larry 5. <laughs> I know you'll have already spent a lot of time discussing this when Rob included it in his list, so I'll try to keep it brief. I actually did consider using uh, Leisure Suit Larry well, I don't know what... Oh, hold on. Which is the fifth one, though? She doesn't give the full name. Um, I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> let me hold on a second. Uh, five is... Leisure Suit Larry 5. Passionate Patty does a little undercover work. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, although this title may appear innocuous at first glance, it's sheer brilliance is easily recognized by fans who know that this is, in fact, the fourth game in this series. Oh, that's funny. 
This exemplifies the highly witty, intelligent humor that the series is so critically acclaimed for and makes it clear why Rob is such a fan. I'm just surprised that Dear Esther somehow beat this game on his top 100 list. The title alone makes it obvious which game has the better writing. Yeah, very, very true. I, I don't know where I went Dang, wrong there, dude. Simon. Yeah. Simon's got you there. <clears throat> She's got me. Number two, soccer. <laughs> this might be <laughs> this might be a controversial choice, particularly among listeners in Europe. <laughs> but <laughs> but that's exactly what makes it such an effective title. It clearly demonstrates the boldness of Nintendo, not bowing to political pressure to name the game football, but instead holding firm in their stance of calling it soccer. You don't see any game companies using titles like this these days, which just goes to show that the industry is now full of cowards. Holy shit. Oh, and here we go. Here here it is. Number one, Kingdom Hearts HD 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue. I have I have that on my list as well. I have two of their titles on my, my uh, what do you call it? Extras. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Honorable mentions. Right. Okay. Um, in fact, hold on just a second. I just thought this They have some of the dumbest titles. Uh, yeah, no so fucking crazy. shit. They're terrible. It was tough to pick between this and Kingdom Hearts 358 divided by two days. Wow. That's the other one I have on my list. Uh-huh. But the thing I love about this title is its elegant simplicity. Just hold on. There's 358 divided by two. Is that, does that come, did that come out um, in our time range? Uh, I think so. Oh, no, it came out in 2009. Damn it. Oh, it's that new. Well, not new, but Damn. that old or that new. I don't know where I'm going. Where I I'm wanted at, to shame yeah. it a little bit extra. Anyway, uh, but the thing I love about this title is its elegant simplicity. Just by looking at the title, you can immediately tell what position and role the game has in the <laughs> Kingdom Hearts chronology and lore. It's obvious, even to the casual consumer, that this is an HD remake of Kingdom Hearts 3D Dream Drop Distance, and that it also includes... Kingdom Hearts 0.2 Birth by Sleep, a fragmentary passage has bonus content. <laughs> Why are you telling us what we already know? Duh. It's a shame uh, the most recent game with such a confusing title as Kingdom Hearts 3. <laughs> How is anyone without a degree in Roman history supposed to know what that means? <laughs> it's clear that Square Enix's marketing team has lost its touch. Holy shit. And now I'm my and now, and now my real list. Okay. <laughs> so five more coming at you. Number five, Chameleon Twist. Oh, it's, man, I know this game. I don't know this game. It sort of sounds like it would be the name of a tropical drink, but I've always thought Chameleon Twist was such a fun name. It really fits the wacky, cartoony platformer genre that was so popular at the time. I only played the game very briefly, and from what I remember, I didn't really it didn't really live up to that expectation. But the title itself is still pretty catchy and marketable. 2019 will be the year of the Chameleon Twist reboot. Just to <laughs> wait. I, I honestly wouldn't even be surprised at this point. Um, number four. I, oh, here we go. I have no mouth and I must scream. There you go. Nice. Uh, this might be cheating. <laughs> That's hilarious. That's the exact same, same thing I said. This might be cheating because it was a short story for it first, but hey, it's still the title of a game. It's very unique and seems quite ahead of its time. It's the kind of title I can imagine being used for an indie game these days. It might sound a bit pretentious, 
but I guess I like pretentious things because I still always thought the title was quite fascinating. I found myself drawn we, to we it. Huh? <laughs> I'd say we definitely agree with you on that. Yeah. I found myself drawn to it every time I saw it on a GOG sale. I didn't really know if the theme of the game was something I would enjoy, but the title alone kept me intrigued and wanting to know more. I eventually gave in and bought it, and it suffered the same fate as most of my GOG library in that I haven't actually played it yet. From what I've heard about it, though, the title does seem to reflect the dystopian, oppressive feel of the game's story and world. Yes, uh, Simon, you may remember the episode a long time ago when I played this for the podcast, but yes, I would agree that it, it, it does. The game uh, does... The, the 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 expectations that the title set up for you the game follows those very well so it does the gameplay does feel like what the title kind of builds you up for number three perfect dark back before Ooh. back before it became a legal requirement that at least 30 percent of games released every year had to have either dark or shadow in their title this one yeah. sounded pretty sleek Something about it just captures the mood of the game, and it helps that it actually has meaning within the story, and isn't just two random words thrown together to sound cool. Yeah, that is a good point. Number two, Grim Fandango. It's hard to huh. it's hard to even explain what's so good about this title. Maybe it's the contrast between the words, or just the fact that it's fun to say. It sounds like the title of an artsy movie or novel, and if you take away the sometimes obtuse puzzles, that's pretty much what Grim Fandango is. The actual meaning of the title is kind of obscure and is only referenced in one very minor part of the game that isn't even mandatory, but it still feels like it fits. That is a good one. And last one. This is one that I thought about too also. Me and Simon are definitely on the same wavelength on this one. Uh, Loom. (laughs) My appreciation for this title may be more of a result of my stupidity than anything because I remember it taking forever for me to get... Because I remember it taking forever for me to get it. Loom was one LucasArts adventure game that I didn't have as a kid. <clears throat> and I played it for the first time around 2004. In the 90s, what little information I knew about it came from the built-in advertisement in The Secret of Monkey Island and little snippets I read in gaming magazines or early websites. Uh, I, was, I always assumed that the title was, was the verb loom, as in something looming in the distance which was actually pretty fitting to me considering it was one that LucasArts adventure because it was that one LucasArts adventure that had always eluded me and I knew very little about. It was only after I read about about the main character that things started to fall into place. His name is Bobbin Threadbear and he's from the Weaver's Guild. Wait, so that <laughs> so that means the title it's that sort of loom. My mind was blown. I heard in later interviews with project leader Brian Moriarty that the multiple that the multiple meeting sorry that the multiple meanings of the title were actually intentional the title does refer to a physical loom but as but also a metaphorical loom the world all being connected by different threads as Interesting. well as that, wow yeah that is pretty cool as well as my original perceived meaning of the something mysterious rising in the distance uh, it makes it a really clever and an interesting title, much more effective than calling the game like sewing machine. <laughs> that's actually, True. it's, 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 that's really interesting because for me, having played this game, you know, like very shortly after it was released, um, I never considered any of the other things. Like she said, I was just like, Oh, it's like, I guess I, I probably never even really thought about it because I was too young. So like I play the game 
and it's got a loom in it with the you know the the kind with the threads yeah. and all and i was like oh okay so it's just like a loom like the thread the, th- the things that all the threads are on i never even considered like the f- the, ver- the the version that she thought of in the first place which was like the verb of something looming in the distance i never even really thought about that that's that's interesting uh, and that's it for me this time i guess i should try to be a bit more active in the email section this year yeah. i've been yeah yeah I had been meaning to join in the last game of the quarter because I already had Giants Citizen Kabuto in my GOG library, but it came at a bad time as I had to replace my aging computer that could barely run for five minutes without crashing. I will try to uh, at least give Daikatana a go, though. I'm sure it will be horrible, but that's half the fun, right? That's that. I think that's all. probably all the fun yep. that there is to have in it. Yeah, you didn't miss, miss much on uh, Giant Kabuto, too. Yeah. <laughs> uh, possibly even all the fun. Okay. Guess we'll find out soon. Simon, that was the best email yet. Wow. Thank Top five emails. Much. Top five emails. All right, Jay, you got this from Andrew. Is this a new writer? Um, I th- I think he's semi-new. I think he wrote in last time or the time before, Um, okay. but he's pretty new. Andrew says, hello, gents. Probably too late, but here's a college try at getting the email in before email section. Favorite game titles, number five, 3D Ultra Mini Golf Deluxe. Oh, God. I think this guy's the same wavelength as, uh, as Simon. <laughs> no, this, is uh, much more fun... inter- this is much more interesting than golf. True. Golf, baseball. Uh, 3D Ultra Mini Golf Deluxe. A real fun, quirky <laughs> classic from back in the day. I really appreciate the self-deprecation in this title. It's... <clears throat> Uh, sorry, it's overboard and it knows it. The entire game is like that with all the greens just being over the top. That made it extra enjoyable and gave you a total carefree sense while playing it. Very representational title for what you're going to experience in-game. 12 out of 10 stars. Uh, Shadow of Colossus, another good title that was very representational of what the player could expect in-game. The whole experience made you very aware of the main interactions magnitude because the shadow and lightning was done so well in its day. 11.75 11.75 out of 10 stars. Nice. That's a good score. Number three. Yeah, right? Number three, Mist. I think I've included this in several lists, but here it is again. I just always love the mystery that the word invoked, and the same feeling is experienced in-game. 12.5 out of 10 stars. Number two, Battletoads. Oh, Never I thought about this. using that one. I didn't, actually. This is a, this is a surprise for me. Uh, but as a kid, knowing nothing about the content... The title alone made me want to immerse myself in some amphibious battle sequences. I still have no idea if the game is any good, but for some reason, the title still throws me back to a simpler time when I had to wait for my mom to get home to log onto the dial-up and give me access to some of the forums where people may be discussing Battletoads so I could dream about spending my allowance on it, only to forget why I wanted to surf the web by the time... Wait, excuse me. Only to forget why I wanted to surf the web by the time she did get home. (laughs) 10.5 star out of 10 stars. And number one, all-time favorite title of any game ever, Lenny Loose Jocks. <laughs> what? If you don't know what this game is, who are you? Look it up. This was the very early days of sites before Armor Games. I think this was an on Atom Games. Kind of a stupid series game, games, but best title ever. Her, uh, heralding our hero, Mr. Loose Jocks, the floppy Australian block breaker. 15 out of 10 stars. There was more I was going to say, but I dallied, and here we are, rushing to submit. So with no further ado, Andrew. That's Holy awesome. Shit. That was good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use that as an insult, by the way. 
Listen here, you bloody loose jocks. (laughs) All right. Thank you very much, uh, Andrew. And we're going to our last one. This is from uh, Bo. Oh. Bo says. Oh, you're coming out every time now. Bo is? Yeah. Nice. He's been emailing a lot. Um, All right. Bo says. Hold on. Sorry. Bo says, probably too late, but hey, y'all, just the same. Uh, Top five titles was something I overthought to the point of completely failing to do it. (laughs) Okay. I'm more a box art kind of guy than names anyways. Ooh. Maybe a future top five favorite slash best best, uh, classic game box art. I think we've done that. We did that, that, didn't we? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Or top five. Oh, yeah, we definitely have done that, yeah. I think we've done it twice, actually. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, it's still fun, but yeah. Hey, no, it is really fun because there's a whole lot of it's good It's our stuff. podcast. We can do what we want. <laughs> uh, maybe a future five best classic box art or top five worst. I think we've done that as well. Yep. Um, I do. Or both that. mega top tens. Anyway, the Dragon Warrior and Ultima series uh, drew me in by name and box art. Uh, most of the, most most of the novels I read in school I was drawn to because they had dragon something or other in the title, so I'll cop out and just say games that have dragon in the title. Honestly, as a kid, I was the same way. So, I, oh really? Yeah, I was like certain keywords that were like, oh, that's so cool. Even though you're like, wait, this game could be actually absolute dog shit. But my keyword for novels when I was a kid was Star Wars. Basically, I would read any Star Wars novel. I actually did too. No, no, no joke. I read oh, a lot really? of Star Wars. Yeah, a lot of like the the side one-off novels and stuff like that. I didn't think you like Star Wars that much. I don't, and I didn't really enjoy the book so much as a kid. Why did you keep reading them? I was a kid. I don't know. I don't know. I read a bunch (laughs) of dogs. I read Goosebumps as a kid. Goosebumps is nothing. Wait, which um, I was interested in which Star Wars novels you read. Uh, I think I still have them. I don't know any of the titles off my head, and I couldn't. If you held a gun to my head, I couldn't tell you the story or any of the characters. All right. Did you read like the first trilogy, uh, like the Timothy Zahn series, like the first ones that came out like years later that were like the first ones that picked up afterward? Uh, they, the ones that I read were, they didn't have any of the characters and I don't believe they related to any of the main stories. Oh, I really? Could be wrong, so they were, yeah. They were all like side characters? Yeah, yeah. Like side I read one of the ones, I read a, quite a few. I read the, um... Some of the Han Solo ones. I read like the three main ones. The, uh, oh gosh. I really liked a lot of them too. Um, mm. There's one about, oh, I won't get too in, in depth. There was one that I read that was pretty fun, which was uh, like like Bounty Hunter Tales. It was a collection of short stories based on uh, like the Bounty Hunters mm-hmm. in the in the Star Wars universe. It was, uh, that one was pretty cool too. Um... Is that uh is that the end of uh, Bo's email? Oh, that was it. Hold on, I'm checking. Sorry, <laughs> I'm getting myself. I thought I was reading it for a second. You just you got me good. I was like, wait, am I supposed to read <laughs> I, this? I was sorry. I was trying. Yeah, I said that like you were. I was like, yeah, half, I was talking like, to myself. Keep reading. I didn't know I was reading. Just <laughs> um, yeah, yes. Okay, got me he, good. He says, <laughs> relationship questions. Question question mark. I don't know. I don't know what he's asking their relationship questions but he says relationship um, questions oh oh because i oh okay no, i'm sorry i think i said something on twitter like joking like say send us an email or relationship questions whatever you want oh, okay. okay okay that's what it was 
He says, relationship questions. Could triangle man and person man ever get along? Yes. Yes. Okay. Or are they destined to always fight? What if person man ever won? Would they get along then? Is this... Are these from something or is he just... I have no idea. I would assume so, but I have no idea. Okay. Uh, I'm sorry, whoever reads this. It's my more rambling narrative. I was in a rush. Take care, Bo. Thanks, Bo. Thanks, Bo. Simon's email is better than yours, but yours was still good. Damn, Robert. I'm sorry. She had a a really good one. She had golf as one of her top titles. And baseball. Don't forget baseball. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Uh... But as always, thank you to everybody for writing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. This is a really good email section in general this time. Um, Send us your emails. Mail at Classic Game... My bad. I just made a big loud sound on my computer. Mail at ClassicGamingPodcast.com. Again, the next top five is worst titles of video games. Uh, If if you're a beat em and eat em fanatic and you want to send us your thoughts on that as well, feel free to write them in. Uh, or just whatever the hell else you feel like talking about. Real quick, we'll go into the classic, or I'm sorry, current gaming subcast. Jay, any current gaming you've been gaming? Um, I'm playing a little bit of Civ Five again, which has been pretty fun. Oh, really? Uh, but on that, not really. Yeah, no, I've been I spent most of my time playing Chocobo Dungeon for sure. Let's play. Uh, let's play Civ Five. Again, sometime because we played that a while okay. back, but we never finished our game. I think. I, so, oh, I forgot to mention. So, Civ Six was um, you could play it for a few days for free when it was on sale, mm. and I was like, "Oh, cool! I'll, I'll play Civ Six and see if I like it." And then it was on sale for like I think like fifteen dollars or something. Um, and then like the Gold Edition, which is like the almost like the Game of the Year edition, like it has like a bunch of expansions and shit in it, right. um, was on sale. And I tried Civ Six. I played it for like two or three hours, and I didn't like it. I like oh, I like really. Civ 5. Yeah, I enjoyed Civ Five more. I don't know what it was about. I like, I, I, my friend asked me. He's like, "What did you like about?" It? I'm like, "I don't know. It just, I, it did not enjoy it as much. And maybe just because it was a newer experience, but I don't know. It just didn't capture me the same way that Civ Five does. You don't know what it was? No, I, I was trying to put like, I was trying to explain it to him, but I was like, I, I just, I don't know. It just doesn't drag me in. Like Civ Five, it's like I get really vested in what I'm doing and uh-huh. and like everything that's going on. And like Civ Six, it was like a struggle to get to get going every time. Interesting, because I was I was just about to ask if you've played if you've tried Civ Six yet. <clears throat> yeah, he did say the Gold Edition, or whatever, with the expansions is what really makes it good, and I don't know why. Hmm. Um, so maybe I maybe that's the reason, but that's that's kind of what he told me. They just came out with a new expansion, like like a week or two ago. Oh, that's probably why they did the sale. That would make sense. Oh, I bet you're right. And um, it's supposed to be really good. It adds like uh like global warming and all sorts of like environmental like shit oh, that's into it. Cool. But supposedly it's like forty dollars, just the expansion. Oh, um, don't quote me on that, but I believe that's. I'll try to look it up on Steam in a second. But um, yeah, that's that's a lot for an expansion. Yeah, I'm gonna agree with you on that. But anyway, um, I, I haven't played. I, I'm not even a huge Civ Six fan, so I'm not, I probably won't play this. Uh, I like uni- I like a uh, Europa Universalis instead, but um. I mean, it's definitely an awesome. It's, it's definitely, uh, it's definitely a very good series. Obviously, super very unique, series. very fun series. Yeah, yeah, and I, I would definitely be down to play some more uh, Civ Five with you. Um, is that it? Is that it for you? Yeah. Gaming. It. All right, I have been playing 
Tetris 99, like I said. Uh, yep. Not not a ton of it, but I but what I have been playing, it's it's been really fun. Um, the other game that I've been playing lately is I finally took the dive into Factorio. Hmm. Um, I've heard nothing but good stuff about this about this game. Yeah, same. And uh, every time I've I've seen it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I could see how people like that game, but. I just don't know if it's something that like it, it just doesn't look that fun to me. But over and over and over and over, I just keep hearing, no, this game is fucking good. This game is amazing. This game like literally I have not heard a single bad thing about it. And then uh I think it was Father Beast on the last episode wrote in and talked about like how he played it till like five in the morning and cause he just couldn't get enough. So I I think that it kind of tipped me over the edge. Like I had heard so much good stuff and I was sort of halfway considering. And then he said that I was like, you know, maybe I'll just finally buy this and, and, and check it out. Is it co-op? Uh, they do have a multiplayer mode. Is um, it good? Cause I may actually pick this up as well. I have no idea. Yeah. Um, I I'll, would I'll read be about it myself. interested to know, uh, if you do buy it, buy the GOG version so we can play. Okay. I uh, would buy it for myself and my brother. So okay, that, so we could all play, play together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely let me know if you do that because I'll be really interested. Because okay. honestly, I'm having a hell of a good time with this game. It is okay. Like Steam, ha- it has 10, 10 out of ten on Steam Holy on Steam shit, reviews. That good. How much is it? Uh, it's like thirty, I think. Oh, that's not bad. I'll no. take that. Um. Oh, and they have a free demo too. Oh, what? Oh, that's so dope. I love games with free demo. Like that's just such a bold thing to do. You know, it's like. We know our game's this good that if you try it, you're going to be all about it. Yeah, yeah. I just linked you to the, where you can get the Thank demo. Thank you. <clears throat> but so the the whole game is like, so you start off and it's basically the story is uh, you, you crash landed, the, the quote story, you crash landed on a planet and you're trying to get off. And all you're doing is building tons of stuff and trying to eventually build a rocket to launch you off of the planet. And when you, once you build the rocket and launch it, then you, then the game's over and you finish the game. Uh, so, but what it is, is like you, you start off and it's all you can do is just like mine coal out of the ground with your bare hands. So you're going just from like digging coal out of the ground with your bare hands to making a rocket launch off of the planet that you're on. Uh, and all of the increments in between. So like eventually you, get enough coal or enough like lead or, or, or or, I'm sorry, like iron ore or rock or whatever to where you can build a little machine that, that will mine stuff out of the ground for you. And then you can build a little furnace that will melt iron ore into iron plates. And then you can take iron plates and build this and that with them. And then you can, um, you know, get coal to, to, uh, power these, these things that you're building. And then eventually you can build a pump that will pump water out of the uh, out of the water, and you can pump that water into uh, <clears throat> boilers, and then you can pump and then you can connect boilers to a steam engine that you make with iron, and then the steam engine and power can create electricity, and then it's like just the sequential like I'm building these things, and then I'm taking the stuff from that, and then I'm building this, and then you're taking the stuff from that, and then building this, and you're just kind of advancing in technology. Uh, the more that you go and it's all in real time and you're just this one single character running around the map, putting all this stuff together. And then occasionally there's these uh, like 
uh, alien little like bug things that will come and attack you or try to destroy your stuff just because they're just sort of these little hostile aliens. So you have to, you know, build a gun so you can protect yourself against them. And then later you're building turrets to protect like all your stuff. And then as you go and you're building more and more machines that you're, that are producing things and building things, then you're building little conveyor belts that are taking parts that one machine produces and places on conveyor belts, and the conveyor belts are taking us some other stuff, and then you have electronic arms that are taking the pieces off of those belts and putting them into other machines that are building something with that piece of material, whatever it was that you created. And so far, I've probably got like seven hours in the game, and I just got it this week, so I've been playing it quite a bit. And maybe even like closer to 10 hours. And like, I have such a huge array of machines and conveyor belts going all over the place. I have these enormous conveyor belts that if I were to like just run around and follow the loop that this conveyor belt makes, it might take like five or 10 real life minutes just following, just like running and following it around because it like starts off in one area where there's ore and then it goes over and drops off stuff in these machines. Then it picks up stuff and takes them to these other machines. It is, crazy and what's 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 so fun about it is trying to uh like think of the ways to make the most the most efficient system that you can it's like okay i need a lot of fucking uh i don't know gears so how am i going to produce those okay well first i need iron plates so let's let's create like kind of like a little miniature factory of tons of little machines that are automatically going to produce these plates and then they're going to have this little conveyor belt that goes here and feeds them into these other machines that make gears and then I'm going to use the gear the gears and we're going to create a big conveyor belt that goes to this other section of these other machines that turn the gears into this or that and then it's 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 so much fun just trying to create the most efficient system you can as well as like looking like once you've created all this stuff and you have all these conveyor belts going back and forth and crossing over each other just kind of like backing out and being like Holy shit, look at this like amazingly complex machine that I that I have built over time that probably is like 10% efficient. <laughs> like I should probably doing a be doing a hell of a lot better than I am, but it's fun just like doing the best that you can and looking and seeing like how complex everything is and it just is all like coming together to make this big giant machine that's advancing your technology and eventually going to build you a rocket that's going to that's going to take off. It's, yeah. it's, it's crazy. It is, it is so much more fun than I thought it was going to be. I, I definitely recommend this game. So yeah. I'll let you know if I get it. Yeah, definitely let me know if you get it. And uh, so that's it for Current Game We Subcast. Thank you for listening to this episode. Once again, our game of the quarter is Daikatana. We will be play, We will be discussing that game on March 19th. So if you want to take part in the yep. discussion, Jay and I are both going to be playing it. Uh, just make sure you send us, you, you play the game or, you know, part of the game and send us your email about it by March 19th. That's when we will be recording the episode. Uh, make sure you leave us amazing re- reviews on iTunes. That'll help us out. Also just tell all your friends to listen to us because that helps us out a ton as well. Again, our email address is mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. You can follow us on Twitter at classgamescast. I am at King Octavius. And uh, Jay, any parting words before we bid our listeners uh, adieu and go to a wonderful slumber and dream about uh, dudes on top of buildings running back and forth, uh, dropping ice cream on people? Don't give Robert your address. 
<laughs> That's simple. That's some good life advice right there. Yeah, so I've been living by that for majority of my life, and I think I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> all right, thank you everybody for listening. We'll see y'all in uh, in two weeks. Actually, a little bit less this time since we were late on this one. Bye.